Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on Powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at Powerslam.tv. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Yo, 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 what up? This is Rocky Asuka Romero of Chaos, and you are listening to Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcast, keeping it strong style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcast, keeping it strong style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get go Boy Yeah from Tampa Bay To the Tokyo Dome This is keeping it strong style With your host Jeremy Donovan And the young boy Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to the 100th episode of Keeping It Strong Style. We are the ace of podcasts on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Jeremy Dahlman here with the young boy Josh Smith on today's show. <laughs> I was not expecting that. On today's show, we will air our interview with Rocky Romero, discuss the Super Junior Tag League, answering your questions, and covering all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing to the Social Suplex Podcast Network on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns over at socialsuplex.com. This episode of Keeping a Strong Style is brought to you by Power Slam TV. If you are a fan of independent wrestling, Power Slam TV has over 6,000 hours of wrestling from companies across the world. Use the promo code SOCIALSUPLEX to get your first month free. And make sure you check out Pro Wrestling Tees, our Pro Wrestling Tees store, ProWrestlingTees.com. Slash social suplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong Style t shirt as well as other shirts here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. I know that uh, Wrestle Kingdom's coming up very shortly, as is WrestleMania. You want to be wearing the flyest gear, you want to stand out, you want to represent for the culture. <laughs> Which has been a pretty popular hashtag lately. I don't know why, but I heard something about for the culture. So do it for the culture. Go buy our t-shirt. Yes. And uh, represent the Ace of Podcasts. 100 episodes, baby. Yeah, we're here, man. 100 episodes of Keeping It Strong Style, man. I'm celebrating. 
Cracked open a little bit of the bubble. <laughs> Not really. Got got some uh, cold ones. I, I I really think that for uh, the uh, FOH draft this year, we all just need to commit to drinking nothing but a little bit of the bubble. Ah, uh, that'd be nice. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, man, I'm excited. Hundred episodes, dude. Yeah, man. Who knew, man? I knew. I always. <laughs> I always believed. <laughs> This this little this little engine that could man this this little dream man. I always knew we were gonna be big. Jeremy was being a little bitch. He didn't believe it. He didn't <laughs> believe in us. No, I'm just playing. Jer- Jeremy con- contributes more to the show than than me or anybody else. So uh, I'm super super excited, super proud of what we've done, and uh, look forward to uh, continuing. And we got an awesome episode for everybody. Yeah, we have our. Promised interview with Rocky Romero Joining us here live in the dojo (laughs) Rocky, why don't you say hello to everybody (laughs) Yo, 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 this is Rocky Uh, no, we don't. We don't have Rocky live in the dojo, but we recorded the interview with Rocky Romero a few weeks ago, right before he went back to Japan for the Super Junior Tag League tour. Um, so we're gonna throw to that interview, and then we'll be right back to discuss the Super Junior Tag League, cover all the news, answer all of your questions. So here is the Rocky Romero interview, ladies and gentlemen. We have a very special guest today, former. IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion Former 8-time IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champion He is the coach of Rapungi 3K And Kazuchika Okada's best friend Rocky <laughs> Romero Rocky, welcome to the show That last, that last one is the most important one I, mean, <laughs> I feel like you could just drop everything else yeah, we need to Let add, it be known <laughs> We gotta add that to your uh, Wikipedia Under the championship accomplishments Yes, yes, very important. I don't know who does the Wikipedia stuff, but if anybody's got access to it, you know, definitely that's the one that needs to be <laughs> in, you know, big, bold letters, you know. We got you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, so uh, really curious, Rocky. When did you become a fan of pro wrestling? Uh, very long time ago. <laughs> uh, I, I remember being, yeah, maybe like, um, maybe like four or five years old, six years old, something, you know, right around there. And, uh, I used to, you know, every Saturday, my, my parents for the most part would work on Saturdays. My mom, you know, uh, she was like a secretary and my dad was a mechanic. So like Saturdays, they're usually pretty busy, like catching up on work or, or whatever. And, uh, I would, I would go and stay with my grandma and, uh, she was like a, like a crazy avid, you know, wrestling fan, you know, she's like an old Puerto Rican lady, you know, <laughs> so she would get like super into the matches. Uh, you know, at that time it was, you know, every Saturday it was like that, at one, it was, uh, a superstars, WWE or WWF superstars at that time, channel 11. I'll never forget it. And, uh, and yeah, she would get like all, you know, she'd make jello for us or ice cream or something like after lunch, you know, and we would be on our way watching, uh, superstars and she would get like all crazy and like yelling at the TV and like throwing things at the TV or chanclas and stuff, <laughs> you know? And, uh, I don't know, I guess something that, but it was born out of that, that maybe passion that she had for it, you know, and just the excitement, uh, you know, she was yelling along with the, you know, the TV, you know, with all the, the fans on TV, uh, you know, yelling at the, at the bad guys and cheering on the good guys. And I, I think that there was something exciting about that, that kind of, uh, just got embedded, you know? 
And yeah. uh, that's how I, I, you know, since then, you know, yeah, I've always been pretty much excited about wrestling, you know, minus maybe a few years, uh, you know, uh, you know, kind of just growing up, like as an adolescent, maybe from like, I don't know, 10 to 13 or something, you know, just like very short stint, you know? Yeah. So when did you decide to become a wrestler? So you, you had that stint and then obviously it had to come back. What, like what brought you back and then what made you decide, you know what, I want to do this pro wrestling thing. And who influenced so you as I, well? Right. Uh, so like I, I, uh, I had some friends um, that were wrestling fans. So like when I got to middle school, uh, you know, I just happened to make friends with them and they were like big wrestling fans and they used to get together and watch the pay-per-views like uh, every, you know, every Sunday or whatever, every month. And uh, so I kind of got reintroduced to it through them. And then we just, that was like the days of like, like Goldust. And I, I remember Goldust had just like uh, debuted and stuff like that. So like that was, that was like around that time. Was that like 95 maybe? 95. 95. Yeah, 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 95, 96. Yeah. 95, yeah. yeah. 95, 96. So, um, yeah. So right around that time I got like reintroduced into it and, um, and I just got excited again. And like, I remember maybe like just getting like heavily into it. And I remember maybe like a year later being like, when I graduate, I'm going to do this. When I'm graduating, I'm going to do this. And I already had a plan that I was going to go up to, uh, San Francisco and join, um, APW rolling Alexander school, you know? And because uh, that was basically like the only school that I knew of that you could actually do wrestling, you know, because this is, you know, mid 90s, you know. So uh, th- there wasn't like a lot of schools that were, you know, talking, you know, like putting stuff online. You know, they had like a professional website. You knew them from uh, the Beyond the Mat movie. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm going there. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that when I turn 18. And then uh, just so happened maybe like a year after that, I, I was looking online, you know, looking at independent wrestling and, and just kind of like this is like, early days of, you know, still internet's not like crazy yet, you know? Right. So, and I happened to stumble upon the, the, the worst page of all time for this wrestling school, uh, called the school of hard knocks and Senator, you know? <laughs> so I just, on a whim, I was like, you know, I, I picked up the, the phone, you know, our, our, our home phone and I called and ring, ring, somebody picks up and, and they're like, you know, wrestling school. And then I like pause and I got froze. I was like, uh, <laughs> Cause I didn't think anybody was going to really pick up and, you know, like, and I was like, oh uh, yeah, uh, I'm like 15, going to be 16 soon. Uh, if I got my mom's permission, would you guys let me like train and wrestle? And and then like, they're like, hold on. And then like a couple minutes later, then another guy comes on the phone. He's like, how old are you? I was like, I'm 15. I'm going to be 16. He's like, yeah, we got a kid who's like 16 or something like that. If you want, you can come down, you can train with him. I was like, but he's like, you got to bring your parents and they got to like sign a bunch of forms and stuff. I was like, uh, all right, I'll, I'll see you Saturday. <laughs> and then I, my, my mom took me down and I like back my mom. My dad was like, you didn't give a shit. But like my mom was like, uh, she was like, oh, well, let me go down there and see what it's all about. You know, I think she was just happy that I was like doing something productive, you know, because I wasn't like the best student or anything. Mm. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, and it was around those, you know, the age of, you know, like, you know, alcohol is being introduced and, you know, all kinds of other stuff. So it's like, uh, you know, she thinks she wanted me to kind of put my focus into something. And if, if this was going to be it, then, you know, like, you know, hopefully it didn't kill myself doing it, you know, but like, uh, you know, she wanted to, to kind of just uh, push me into something. So, uh, so she went down there, we checked it out. My, uh, my, 
good buddy who who also you know would go and watch the uh, watch the pay per views at his house. He came along for like the first one. He never came back. And then uh, you know when I uh, like I trained there maybe like once every couple weeks. Uh, you know because obviously I, you know, I wasn't driving or anything. And then once I turned sixteen, I got my license. Uh, you know I borrowed dad's car. Uh, you know and like two or three times a week I would drive like. 25 miles or 30 miles or whatever it was uh, to the wrestling school in San Bernardino uh, between LA and San Bernardino. And uh, that was it. I was hooked. <laughs> That's awesome. So you, yeah, so. so you got started and you kind of told us about like your early uh, exposure. When did you kind of become aware of like new Japan? And I know that you, uh, you spent time in the original LA dojo, you know, tell us about your time there and kind of, you know, what you've noticed, how it compares to the one that's, uh, you know, uh, established there now too. Yeah. So like when I started training, um, uh, the guys I, tra- uh, I, I started with, you know, EWF empire wrestling federation in, in California, uh, Jesse Hernandez and Bill Anderson, they, they had all kinds of like tapes from, you know, FMW and like new Japan and all this stuff. So like they would give us or like, or like copy tapes for us, you know, they, they would charge us like five bucks for like a tape or something. You bring them on the tape and then they would like, copy it so like that's kind of how i got introduced uh to new japan i had it was like a J, like maybe the first j cup or something like that um something earlier and it was like a, a mixture of like all these junior heavyweights and then and then you know you would start to see them pop up on like nitro and all mm-hmm. that you know so uh so that kind of but like that was like my first time like actually watching a new japan new japan type show and uh, I just thought it was cool. Like, obviously, it was so different from, you know, what you're kind of used to traditionally, like, especially sure. growing up in L.A. was WWF, you know, so it was very different, uh, you know, minus, like, when they did Super Astros and you saw, like, you know, Hector Garza for, like, five minutes, you're like, who the fuck is Hector Garza <laughs> at that time, you know, or whatever. So, uh, but, you know, not knowing that these guys, you know, were these great talents, uh, they just didn't really, you know, shine in, in those moments. You know, not until like the Cruiserweight division, obviously, in WCW. But, um, but yeah, I remember that was the first time I watched New Japan. And uh, I just thought it was cool. I remember Liger and I was just like, whoa, who is this guy? Like, he's so strong. You know, you're like throwing everybody around and, you know, Eddie and you know, Benoit and all these guys. And, you know, it was cool. It was cool. And, um, I, but I never really thought, I think at that moment, like that was like a possible thing to wrestle in Japan, you know, just yet. But I think once the cruiserweight division started going on in WCW, then I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I, I, I think I could make it into that. I could do that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Somehow. I don't know how. But, but then I like I was thinking like, well, maybe if I can't do that, what I got to do is I got to go to Japan and then I got to go to ECW and then I could do that. <laughs> That's, that mm. was like my my plan in my in my head, in my 16-year-old head, you know? And uh, so, yeah, I, and then... Um, Trained for you know, I trained and wrestled as much as I could for over the next couple of years, and then in 2000, uh, 2001, I met Justin McCulley at, at uh, Ultimate Pro Wrestling UPW. There were like Rick Bassman's thing out in the California, it, it, it was like um, some kind of developmental for WWE. But somehow, yeah, I got, I got hooked up with Justin, and he was like a UFC fighter or mixed martial artist, and uh, he was the guy who opened the dojo for Inoki in New Japan. Mm-hmm. So he was like, Hey, I'm opening this dojo for New Japan. 
you know, we don't, you know, we're not really sure what it is, but, you know, we're looking for some guys who just want to come down and train and maybe help out and like step the dojo up, you know, like, cause they had all this equipment and, and uh, you know, the ring and this and that. And like, I was like, oh, of course. Yeah. You know, <laughs> if, it, if it gets me, if it gets me in the door, you know, somehow or, you know, and then just, you know, not knowing what it was actually going to be, you know, then it was like, okay, cool. Well, you just, you guys are training here now. So like I would just show up every day for probably about 10 months, 11 months, pretty, you know, as much as I could pretty much every day. And, uh, and then finally, you know, the booker at that time, who I came in and he like watching, he's like do a couple of matches. You know, we did a couple of matches like myself, Brian Danison, uh, Ricky Reyes and uh, TJ Perkins. And he was like, cool. Well, you guys, uh, the first generation of the dojo we're going to bring you over in like a couple months and that was the first time I went to Japan it was pretty wild yeah Man, that's awesome so so who was like the main yeah. person that was like training you guys during that time in the LA dojo I mean like Inoki would come in it was his dojo so he would come in like pretty frequently like maybe like uh, three four days every like maybe three weeks or so you know something like that because the whole dojo was actually built just so he could have a gym close to his house. <laughs> That's basically what the whole dojo was was built. I mean, it was a ex- very expensive dojo with no plan of really, you know, training people necessarily, you know? Right. Uh, so, but it, they were like, well, if we're spending this money, we better, like, get some, you know, get some kids in there and, like, throw them around a little bit and, and bring them over to Japan, you know? They're going to be good, so. That's basically kind of how we got the shot. And, and, but we were just doing like MMA, yeah. <laughs> you know, like nobody was teaching us like wrestling. Like, you know, he would talk about it a little bit and he'd have us like, uh, you know, sometimes shoot around or sometimes you'd be like, go get in the ring and, you know, go do this and, you know, and like wrestle around a bit. And then he would be like, oh, this is terrible. <laughs> and then it would just be like you know what don't ever do that again and then, you know, when i get back it better be better and we're like what the fuck is he talking about like what, what was bad what was good there was you know there was like no direction uh at all you know uh and then we kind of started to implement more direction later um after i started going over it became like black tiger and everything then uh you know by the time like carl anderson got there and like alex Kozlov, there was a bit more structure you know, we had like a pro wrestling class. Then, you know, we had Kendall Gashin as a teacher later. Um, but in the beginning, it was just like a collective of like these wrestlers, you know, Samoa Joe, Brian Danderson, TJ, Reyes, myself, and, you know, whoever would come in from all over the world. And we would just, you know, for the pro wrestling stuff, we would just be like teaching each other, you know, like and working out things, you know, for ourselves, which was kind of cool too, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, so like, Compared to what the dojo is now, like the new dojo uh, out in Carson now, um, you know, it's not, it's kind of night and day because Shibata is very structured and, you know, we knew going in that, we, you know, we were going to pick up, you know, three or four, uh, you know, talents and try to, you know, mold them into the, you know, into the system, you know, mm-hmm. but just as, just as if you were to join the Japanese dojo, it would be the same thing, you know? So really scouting for, you know, uh, English speaking talent. Hmm. for the most part and uh so like that that's you know that's where you got uh you know carl fredericks and clark connors and uh alex coughlin you know uh who have turned out to be you know great i mean you know really shibata has a fantastic eye and he's uh he's a fantastic trainer in in so many ways 
Yeah, I mean, I really love the Young Lions Cup this year. All those guys were uh, so impressive and really put some great performances on. I'm really looking forward to kind of seeing how they progress. And now we know that um, Ren Narita, he's going to be going over there, doing his excursion over there. So I'm really looking forward to seeing, you know, how Narita improves uh, kind of being under Shibata's wing. Right, right. And definitely, like, um, and I think it'll be different, too, because it's a different situation for Shibata, too. It'd be, like, maybe, like, more like um, how Gota came over and kind of got into shape and kind of got, like, you know, almost like a little fight camp and got ready, you know. Um, obviously, Narita will be doing, um, uh, you know, a, a, it's a bit more extensive than just a few weeks, but, uh, you know, under the tutelage of Shibata, you know, I'm sure Shibata will be going with him, you know, sometimes to, you know, local events or whatever and watching and kind of giving him advice, you know, through the whole, the whole time, I'm guessing, you know. Yeah. Um, so this year we uh, saw you back in a lot of single competition, um, specifically, you know, the best of the Super Junior Tournament where you had an outstanding tournament. You had some of the best matches of the tournament. The El Fantasma match. Yeah, that, that match was awesome. And yeah, that was wild. <laughs> so I'm just wondering, like, did you feel any kind of pressure kind of stepping back into the ring almost like on a, on a full-time tour and a lot of singles matches? After you, you've kind of been like a manager, you, after Rapungi Vice ended, you started coaching Rapungi 3K and you've been doing a lot of commentary. Was there a lot of pressure kind of stepping back into that, you know, full-time singles role? No, uh, absolutely. No, absolutely. There was a, a ton of pressure. Uh, you know, mostly the pressure was from myself on, on, you know, on myself, you know, and, uh, you know, I think kind of people forgot that I was a wrestler you know, first and foremost, uh, and, you know, cause a lot of people weren't really familiar with my career, uh, you know, before new Japan basically got hot, you know, or, or, or like basically when they came in, uh, you know, when they came into it, you know, Rapunny Vice was just breaking up, you know? So they were like, uh, so a lot of people barely, you know, basically missed like two years of, of my wrestling life, you know? Mm. So, and that right, right when, you know, it started to get even more popular. So, um, so they, they were just like, oh, this manager guy is in the tournament? Like, oh, okay, that's going to suck, you know? Like, <laughs> so I, that's, that's basically, like, the feedback that I saw on Twitter and, like, people, you know, talking about when they announced, uh, you know, the guys are like, oh. And then, to, uh, and then you know, fast forward, you know, three weeks uh, later or whatever, four weeks later when the tournament was finished and just having so many, you know, so many people praise, uh, you know, my wrestling and the matches that I had, like with Phantasmo and Osprey, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, just kind of overall, uh, it, it felt good because it was like, oh, it, you know, to myself, like, oh shit, okay, cool, I can, I can still wrestle at, you know, at, at, at a quality that is, uh, you know, to, in my eyes, you know, the best, you know, junior cruiser or whatever, you know, lightweight division in the world. Yeah, in the world without a shadow of a doubt, uh, you know, I can still, I can still perform. At, at that level and i could also you know be a character uh you know and, and and be entertaining as well um so it was good i needed it to be honest i really needed it but i was glad that motherfucker was over with it. <laughs> 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 i don't think i could have done another two weeks or anything i would have been dead <laughs> Well, it was awesome, and I know here on this podcast, we were one of the ones that were praising you and just so glad to see, you know, that you were showing people what you still had left in the tank and, you know, kind of showing people what they missed out on. Um, with that being said, you've accomplished so much in your career up to this point. 
do you feel like bucket list that there are some things for your own legacy or for your own goals that you still need to uh, complete that you kind of feel like are left unfinished? Or like uh, at this point, do you feel like with everything that you've accomplished, you could ride off into the sunset, you know, down the line, you know, if tomorrow, you know, everything was over? Um, hmm. you know, I mean, I, I, if I had to, if it all had to be done, I, I think I would be pretty pleased with everything. Uh, you know, I, I, I obviously, uh, you know, accomplished way more than I, I ever thought I would, you know, and I accomplished way more than what people ever said that I was going to be able to do, you know, from day one or even before I even walked into a wrestling, uh, school, and ring and, and learned how to wrestle. I mean, my teachers and, and peers and people were going like, when I, you know, when I was 15, saying like, no, I'm going to be a wrestler. I got this whole plan. They were like, what? That sounds so stupid, you know? And like, you know, mm. I remember a teacher saying that to me. And then, uh, you know, on Facebook, like later, she like messaged me and was like, I'm sorry that I ever doubted you. And, and that, and that I said that, you know, that, that, that was stupid to become a wrestler it's amazing that I see, you know, I've seen, seen you, seen you uh, post these things about your wrestling in Japan and these, you know, in front of all these people. It's, it's absolutely incredible. Wow. So like that, yeah. So like stuff like that, you know, um, obviously, you know, has really helped, you know, to keep me going. But I, I really think I've accomplished much more than I, I, I set out to. Um, but you know, I, I, I would <laughs> like to, uh, you know, I would love to be a, a junior heavyweight singles champion as. Rocky Romero, you know, and not mm. under a mask. Yeah. And kind of more in this current era, you know, uh, you know, it's like a, it's like a, a goal, you know, but, uh, you know, I, I, it's not a goal that I, I put too much into it. You know, it's like, Oh, I gotta, you know, I gotta have it. I gotta have it. It's, it's more like, uh, damn, that would be cool. You mm. know, maybe one last time just to kind of see personally what I could do. And, it, you know, just like, you know, the best superhuman, you know, like, you know, everybody would be like, why is Rocky getting a, a title shot? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm sure they would be like that. And that would, that would give me the, you know, the fuel to, uh, to, you know, put on the fire and, and really show everybody that, uh, you know, what, what I, what I, what I have like learned in the last, you know, 20 years of my career, you know? So, uh, that'd be cool. And then, uh, I just think for the most part, I just want to help spread new Japan all over the world. You know, I want to be a part of the team to, to, you know, to really bring it to, you know, the next level, you know, um, I know we're, we've done so much, so many great things and, uh, you know, I just want to be a part of it. You know, I, I want to show the world that, you know, rest, you know, our wrestling is, you know, the best. I think that, that that's super important to me. Yeah, man, you're wrestling. Yeah, we're obviously we're doing a New Japan podcast, and we love the New Japan style. And um, once again, just loved you know you getting back into action. And you know, I would love to see a Rocky Romero, you know, singles run in the junior again. And um, you know, alongside you know being a wrestler, a coach, and manager, um, I know you have a big role in kind of um, you know the new the U.S. expansion that's been happening over uh, the last several years, and you're you're kind of like the the in between for a lot of the gaijin wrestlers. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about that role that you have in the office with the working with like the gaijin talent and being a part of that U.S. expansion? Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, like more of it was you know has had to do with the uh, you know the dojo, especially getting the dojo set up because. I had already been in the last dojo, so like I knew what was 
kind of had gone wrong and, you know, and what was wrong structurally for the dojo, you know, to the dojo to work. So I was kind of like uh, the in-between and helping that and, you know, and, and, you know, working with Shabbat to be like, you know, well, you know, Shabbat needs this, Shabbat needs that. And then, you know, kind of brainstorming with him and then going to the office and be like, you know, this is what, you know, he wants. And this is, this is what I also think that we should do, you know, and, and just kind of helping to make the structure, you know, um, and then for the most part, like, I'm just, I feel like I'm just a big, you know, proponent of, of just trying to push the, the U.S. product and, you know, trying to retweet everything and, you know, uh, you know, getting, you know, all the, all the baby faces to, you know, be excited about, to, you know, you know, hey, tweet about this, you know, because, uh, you know, the, you know, the truth is we did lose, uh, you know, with the Bucks leaving and Kenny leaving and Cody and everybody like, uh, you know, we lost those, those big like social media like pushes you know especially in the yeah. u.s and english-speaking market so mm-hmm. like uh i just try to i try to be like not that i can fill that void or you know exactly but you know like at least the, like like i want people to be like oh let me follow rocky because i'll be able to get like the information you know so uh so like i try to help out with that and uh yeah i mean and I'm, I'm always like down to help out and look for you know like scout basically because if you're you know if you if you're awesome then you need to be in New Japan, you know? So, That's uh, true. you know, always helping, always, always looking for talent and, you know, trying to, uh, you know, look for the next generation. Nice. That's awesome. So we, we, we don't want to take up too much of your time, but uh, real quick, uh, we want to do a quick rapid fire round with you. But before we do that, one last question, what's your favorite, yep. what's, what's the favorite match of your career, Rocky? Who favorite match? Um, Probably recently would have to be the Phantasma just because, uh, you know, it was, it was like, what an emotion, emotional roller coaster, uh, just the match that, that was. And like having, you know, fans crying emotionally invested in, in, in that match. It was crazy. Like, I, I don't know how many fans I have, I've talked to since and, and they're just like the Phantasma match. And then like, especially the ones that were there, you know. Uh, or I mean, even the ones that were watching on, on World were just like, "Oh my God, I cried!" <laughs> <laughs> like, like you know, like like you're like I was like, "Man, I cried too." <laughs> when I got into my room, I was like so emotionally drained, you know. And uh, you know, it was just uh, it was just what a, what a what a moment uh, in my career. It's something that I'll never forget. And you know, the support uh, you know heard around you know around the world, you know, and for Japanese fans, American fans, Australian fans, you know, everybody was just like. I don't know. It, it, it really touched my heart, you know? Yeah, that was and, a t- uh, yeah, such yeah, an incredible yeah, moment. And, you know, ELP kind of coming in there, you know, he won the British J Cup and he was coming in off this hot streak of kind of, you know, he was blazing a trail and being undefeated. I know so many people, like you mentioned earlier, you know, this this manager guy, is he going to beat the, the new top star they're bringing in? Dude, he was getting under my nerves. Right. So bad, and like the when, when, when I was like, I was like, Rocky, you need to beat this man. <laughs> and when and like literally, like we like we were hoping, but we also kind of expected it because he was like undefeated. And then when you finally beat him, like you Dude. can ask Jeremy, I freaked out. I was running all right. over our apartment. Right. Like I, I really That's like awesome. viscerally responded. Like it's one of the biggest markout moments of this year for me. <laughs> But that, but I mean, that's like amazing to hear, uh, you know, cause it, I mean, I don't know. I like, I, I don't know, like if, if that happens regularly for people, you know, I'm not really sure, you know, I mean, probably for, you know, for your, your favorites or whatever, but, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't feel like, uh, 
I mean, up 100%, you know, I'm not like a, an Ibushi or an Okada or somebody who, or a Naito who's like people who are, you know, it, it, like really invested heavily emotionally, you know? So I think, it, it, you know, I'll just kind of all these things kind of happen at once. And, you know, it was a natural story that was very, uh, you know, grounded because, yeah, what, you know, it was my first time being in the main event of Corrigan, which was a huge deal, obviously. And, you know, against the guy who, like you said, was undefeated. Everybody was pissed off at him. He had already beat like Osprey. He'd all, you know, gone you know, through the gauntlet. And then, you know, he was just going to pick on, he was going to pick one more off, you know, and that was, of course, the guy that has no chance in the world. So, I mean, uh, you know, it was like a Rudy story, you know, so it was cool. Yeah. Well, anyone that thought that, they need to think again. <laughs> <laughs> and that feels good too to hear that, you know, to exactly like I said, you know, like I had a lot, you know, I had a lot of pressure on me and a lot to prove. And, uh, you know, obviously that was the one that really needed to be the standout moment. And it just kind of happened, you know, it wasn't even like I was trying, but, you know, I wasn't, but, but like, I don't know. I think the circumstances, uh, just how it all ended up were just like amazing, you know, just kind of like. I don't know, it just happened. Man, well, that is that is so great to hear, and uh, you've been so gracious with your time. We want to do one last thing. We want to take you through a rapid-fire round, so we're going to give you a lot of either-or questions, and we don't want to spend too much time on them, but basically we're going to shoot these questions at you, and then you basically tell us your thought, you know, in, in one or just a couple words, if that sounds cool. Okay. All right, so first question, who do you hate more, Gato or Jado? Gato. Oh, who's worse, Bushi or Jay White? <laughs> Jay White, Jay White, Jay White. Who, For sure, I can't stand him. <laughs> Who will be IWGP champion first, Carl Fredericks or Shota Umino? Shota. Oh, nice. This one's going to be Inokiism versus Shibataism. The LA Dojo then or now? Dojo then because we know we kind of know what happened ten years after. Mm, yeah. Nice, whatever. Uh, Japanese cuisine or American cuisine? Ooh, American cuisine because I miss it a lot. <laughs> the Forever Hooligans or Rapongi Vice? Vice. Who's uh, top ace, Okada or Inoki? Okada. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> I got to stay that best friend position. <laughs> Two of the things in Japan that are talked about the most as being the best, your opinion, Naito's theme or Okada's theme? Mm, Naito's theme. Mm, yeah, that's a, that's a banger. Uh, show or yo? <laughs> <laughs> uh, three K. Yeah. <laughs> What would be a bigger deal for you? Uh, best of Super Juniors win or IWGP Junior title win? Junior title win. Who has the better lariat, Kojima or Shingo? Or Yoshihashi? Shingo. Because yeah. mm. it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> better cast leader, Nakamura or Okada? Mm. Okada. He cares more. Mm. About it. Oh, that's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> Better rivalry. He's, a bit more, he's, he's more detailed about it. Mm. Mm. Better rivalry, Omega Okada or Okada Tanahashi? Okada Tanahashi. Mm. 
All right. Greatest black tiger of all time. Eddie? Yep. All right. Who's scarier, Suzuki or Kishin Liger? <laughs> Suzuki, of course. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And the final question here uh, Rocky Romero or Chico El Luchador? Chico. <laughs> the end all be all. <laughs> well, Rocky, we want to thank you for your time coming here and uh, being part of our 100th episode. And before we go, I just want to let you know that, you know, just this little podcast when when I ran into you in um where were we? New we're Orleans. In, yeah, we're in New Orleans. You know, you didn't have to take time and talk to me or you didn't know who we were. You know, it's just some 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 guy off the street and you spent time talking to us and you know, uh, encouraged us with the show. And you're actually the first wrestler that ever did a drop for our podcast, which was like at the time like mind blowing. So like, you know, in a small way you've really contributed a lot, especially with everything that you have done for this industry, everything that you contribute to this product and everything that you give. And we really appreciate your time and everything that you've done for us. Well, uh, you know, I, I, it's podcasts like, you know, like these that, uh, you know, help out and, and get a lot of fans into our product, uh, especially in New Japan. Cause you know, it is a niche product. And for so many years, you know, it was, you know, it was like other product that you didn't really know about, you know? So, uh, you know, I, I want to thank you guys for for helping out, to you know, spreading the word and and uh, getting people engaged and, and and excited about what we're trying to do. And uh, I appreciate it as well. You know, yeah, no problem, man. We love the product and we just love talking about it and watching it. Um, before you go, please uh, plug all your social, all your sites, your music, your merch. Tell our lovely listeners where they can support you and find you. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Azuka Rock, A Z U C A R R O C. Same thing for Instagram. Uh, order merch, RockyRomeroMerch.com. Uh, you can get Chico Luchador stuff. You can get uh, you can get uh, you know Rocky stuff. There's all kinds of cool stuff on there. Um, check out the new music. I'm about to put uh, some new music out on Spotify. I'm also going to be dropping. Finally, I got the okay to drop the Rapunky 3K theme on Ooh. Spotify. So that's going to be a part of this new sneaky style album that's going to be dropping October 28th, nice. uh, which is my birthday. Yep. And uh, and then I I, uh, I got one more thing is uh, I'm working with a streetwear company now, and uh, it's called Bermuda, Bermuda B-U-R-R-M-U-D-A. And you can find that at Big Cartel. Uh, you know, we're, we're about to redesign the website and there's a lot of really cool streetwear stuff. So if anybody's into streetwear, check it out. Um, you know, I'm also going to be tweeting about it like crazy. So just well, we follow will me be on, too. Uh, on Twitter. Yeah, we'll be. Sweet. You know, I appreciate yeah, it. Retweeting away, man. I appreciate that. And then, of course, you know, follow New Japan Pro Wrestling, NJPW972.com and uh, NJPWWorld.com. That's, you know, where you can find all the greatest matches of New Japan and uh, where we are live and some of that, uh, that great commentary from Kevin Kelly and myself. Nice. Awesome. Well, Rocky, thanks again for joining us here and helping us uh, celebrate our hundredth episode. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can have you back on in the future. Well, congratulations on the hundredth episode. Happy birthday. <laughs> and uh, be seeing you soon. All righty. All right. We're back, man. What a great, interview with Rocky. It was so great to have him on the show. Yeah, man. Like, 
I'm I'm so excited. Like obviously we just cut, so like I didn't get to hear the interview, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but uh it, it sits fondly in my memories. And uh one of the you know, when we uh we had Chris Charlton on here and I remember at that time I was like, Man, it's like one of the best things we ever done. Like, you know, I was so proud of that and you know, now having Rocky Romero on here, I think we have to uh we gotta go for the hat trick, the trifecta. I think it's time we call in Kevin. Ooh. Ooh. Double K. Or if we can't get him, then I don't know, Mavs. <laughs> we'll get uh, Gino. Maybe, maybe Juicy. <laughs> <laughs> or we could really, uh, we could really go low. We could, uh, we could call on your boy, uh, the <laughs> Lanny Poffo. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> Lanny Poffo will not, <laughs> will never <laughs> be on keeping a strong stuff. You don't want the genius cast? No. That cross promotion? No. I'm good. You're not not thinking big enough, Jeremy. (laughs) All right. But uh, But seriously, thank you, uh, Rocky, for uh, coming on the show and taking time out of your busy schedule as you uh, prepare for this uh, tournament, which you're doing awesome at. And uh, it it means the world to us that you would take time and, uh, you know, come be on the show. And he, man, even... The way he put us over at the end, like, yeah, that was that was awesome. Freaking awesome. And uh, you know, today as we're recording, it is Rocky's birthday, so happy birthday, Rocky! Happy birthday, Rock! Also, his uh, sneaky album, uh, sneaky style album, has dropped. You can check on his Twitter; he's got all the links for where you can find that album. And I believe the Rapungi 3K and his theme is on that album as well. So go ahead, um, check out Rocky's album, download the album, support our boy Rocky Romero. He's got clothes, clothing line. Yeah, he's got, mer- he got he got tons of merch. He got this new clothing line he's about to drop. I think he mentions it on the interview. Yeah. Um, so yeah, man, support Rocky in any way you can. And you know, right now he's killing it in the Super Junior Tag League, which we're going to talk about right now. Uh, we've got a few nights to kind of go over, and so uh, we're not going to go in order per se by each night, but we're going to um, look over each team. Kind of talk about uh, how they're, they've been doing performance-wise and the wins or losses they've gotten and just kind of the rankings leading into the last three nights that are happening on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And, of course, that will lead to the finals on Sunday at Power Struggle. So we're going to start from the top here. Um, leading the rankings in the Super Junior Tag League right now is the Bullet Club team the current IWGP Junior Tag Team Champions, El Phantasmo, and the Bone Soldier, Taiji Ishimori, 5-1 with 10 points. On October 23rd, uh, ELP and Ishimori they defeated the Mega Coaches. On the 27th, they defeated Teton and Volador Jr. And on the 28th, they defeated TJP and Clark Connors. So they've kind of been on a hot streak since their loss to Suzuki-gun last week. Yeah, the, uh, this team has been nothing if not dominant all throughout the tournament. I mean, you couldn't really expect less uh, with you know the the Bull Club team being the IWGP Junior Tag Team Champions, coming in off of a fantastic 2019, and um, you know both of these guys just doing you know awesome in best Super Juniors. Obviously. Uh, Ishimori being a semifinalist in that tournament, Phantasmo being a point leader in the B block, uh, Phantasmo also winning the um, the Super J Cup. So they came in with, a, and obviously the titles, they came in with a lot of uh, heavy momentum. You've got to consider them as one of the favorites to potentially win this entire thing. But um, 
the main thing is like the cohesiveness between them. I think of all the Bullet Club uh, junior tag teams that they've had over the past couple of years, this is my favorite combination. Even more than the Young Bucks? Well, I wasn't really considering that. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I mean like like kind of like random uh, a mixed match, mixed of, match of, the yeah. junior, of the junior guys. I, why you got embarrassed, man? <laughs> Obviously, I don't like, I don't think they're as good as the young guys. Uh, God. But no, but I agree with you. They are, you know, obviously besides the young bucks, if you think of all their other junior pairings, this is probably one of the best ones. I mean, from the very first time they teamed together on that show against Dragon Lee and Will Ospreay, I thought they gelled amazingly well as a team. And then we've seen them team ever since. And, um, you know, last year during the Tag League, we had Ishimori and Eagles teaming together, and it just didn't quite click together. Eagles was kind of awkward in his role as a heel and still kind of getting his, um, you know, trying to get his ground in New Japan. But this Ishimori and Phantasmo team, these guys, they work so well together. They have awesome double team moves. They know how to generate heat. Uh, they know how to sell. They know how to get the, the shine back on the baby faces. Absolutely. And speaking of the Eagles um, team with uh, Ishimori, he also teamed for a period of time with uh, El Fantasmo. Obviously, for storyline reasons, there was a rift between them. But even just in the ring, there seemed to be just they weren't bad. They had good matches, but something was just a little bit lacking. Mm -hmm. And of that trio, this is the best combination of two guys in the New Japan ring so far. They've been really great. I mean, you know, there's obviously people who might not be big fans of the cheap heat that they're doing and, you know, the raking of the eyes and raking of the chest and, you know, stomping on the balls and all that sort of, like, nonsense. But, you know, that's kind of to be expected from the character work of these guys, almost like a uh, uh, an extension of kind of what we've seen from Jay White in tournaments of the past. So they kind of really fit that mold of, of Bullet Club you know, kind of shenanigans, but... Right, they, they've kind of taken it back to, like, the roots, you know, Bull Club is supposed to be, like, this Western heel group, you know, very similar tactics to NWO, and so, you know, with kind of Jay White taking over the Bull Club, we've kind of seen them shift back to being, you know, not necessarily cool heels like they were during the, you know, Kenny Young Bucks, AJ Styles era, they're more of the... Um, you know, kind of heel gritty heels that they were when they kind of first formed, or during the, when you had Carl Anderson around the group, and yeah, you know, I think that 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 is the biggest complaint is just the cheating. You know, the the eye rakes, the back rakes, the low blows, um, but that's kind of what you expect from these guys. And most of the time, when they do it, it it does add to the story, to the match, and it gets gets them heat, and it kind of. You know, you want you want to see the baby faces kind of come back and kind of get some comeuppance. Um, now, um, of these three matchups that you saw, um, what really stood out to you as being you know your favorite performance, and you know what 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 are you seeing? Well, I really enjoyed so the October twenty third match against Rocky and Risuke Taguchi was um, a great matchup, and you know they did a lot of kind of callbacks when Rocky and Fantasma were in the ring to their Super Junior match. And, you know, even Rocky getting him in the armbar spot, which he tapped yes. out Phantasma win, was a great callback. The crowd was hot for that. The crowd remembered. And with just the momentum that uh, Rocky and Taguchi has been having, people, it was very realistic that they could have beaten this Bullet Club team. And it was just such a nail-biter towards the end. But then uh, Phantasma kind of pulls up the, um, I believe it was like a small package or a roll-up and pinned Rocky. And, they you know, Bullet Club just barely, barely escaped. 
Absolutely. Now, this team is sitting at 5-1. and one. Uh, You know, as we mentioned, the last three defeats were the Super Coaches, uh, the CMLL team, and then T- TJP and Clark Connors. Um, you know, the, the CMLL team and the Clark Connors and uh, TJP combinations, those really aren't too surprising. If those teams had one, we'd be talking about upsets here. And I guess we would be with Rocky Romero and uh, Rizuki Taguchi. But the main thing is that and we're going to talk about them, but the super coaches have been on a tear and they've defeated a few really top, uh, you know, favorite teams in this tournament. So Phantasmo and Ishimori getting that big W over them, not only it advances their point total, but it also really puts them in a favorable position when it comes to, you know, who they have their wins and, uh, over, uh, because Rocky Romero and, uh, Taguchi are doing really well. So, I mean, that just catapults Phantasmo and Ishimori, to, and they're sitting at the top of the, the point total with 10 points right now, but that's a big win. That's something that could potentially have major implications down the line. Yeah, and I also really enjoyed the uh, the Teton and Voldor match. Um, just, you, just, you know, awesome high-flying action from all four guys, and uh, you know we'll, we'll talk about the CMLL team in a minute, but those guys have also been really been bringing it. And I thought they had a good um, kind of contrast against Phantasmo and Taiji here. You want to hear a little bit of a hot take here? Sure. So I'm not a Phantasmo supporter to this day. I still have my gripes. <laughs> I still have my gripes about things that he does uh, in his matches that I just don't think are uh, indicative of a great worker. But, you know, credit due where, where it's due, and he is having a very good tournament. I think I do prefer him in a tag uh, tandem as opposed to as a single competitor, at least at this stage in his career. But Phantasmo, in my opinion, I think he works best with luchadors. Um, you know, I can't sit here and say, obviously the name El Phantasmo, I know he's working our mask and I don't think he has extensive background in, um, working in Mexico or anything, but you know, his style of work is much more similar to like Lucha Libre than it is Mm -hmm. to like Perezu. When I saw him in there with Teton and Volador Jr., I was like, okay, this kind of makes a bit more sense what the deal with, with Phantasmo and like his background. And I thought he paired better in my opinion here with these guys than he did with say like another you know high flyer like will osprey believe it or not yeah that's an interesting take i didn't really even think about that but yeah when he's in there mixing up with Voldor and teton it's it was he's like a fish to water yeah it was very fluid um you know you know sometimes when luchadors wrestle westerners or sometimes even japanese um because the the luchadors kind of wrestle a different style, they focus on a different side of the body than um, what you do on the West, it can be kind of awkward when you're you're wrestling those guys, and there could be some kind of miscommunications or spots not as crisp. But uh, with Phantasmo in there, he, you know, those guys that got, their chemistry was really great and, you know, very fluid and everything was crisp and great spots and everything looked good. My only gripe and the only one detraction I have about Phantasmo Nishimori so far in this tournament. Not too many great matches. Good matches. Good performances. Good storytelling. Nothing really to complain about. And, you know, we're, um what, eight nights deep already? So maybe I'm kind of forgetting. Well, I think we're actually ten nights deep. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Because, what, we had three last week and then... Then, um... Four, five, six. Uh, we're nine nights. Nine, in. yeah, nine, yeah. Okay, so I mean, unless I'm forgetting something from last week, I don't think Phantasmo and Ishimori have really had like a, a truly blow away match in this tournament just yet. And not everybody has, but they've they've been really good. But I'm expecting towards the end because I'm guessing they're going to be factored into the um, 
the finals picture that maybe we'll see something a, a little bit higher caliber. But I mean, all, all around they've been really great. Yeah, I mean, so far to me that they they have one of the best matches of the tournament from uh, I believe it was from night one. Oh, with the, with them against Birds of Prey. Birds of Prey. Okay, and that was the best match of the tournament so far. Or even still, I think probably or do you think one of one of the, uh, one of these matches might have yeah, surpassed it? Another match that we'll talk about later, I think, is either on the level or you, you could rate it a little bit higher than than the Birds of Prey uh, Bullet Club match. But yeah, uh, Bullet Club, super impressive. Yep. So speaking of Birds of Prey, they are next up. They have four wins, two losses, eight points. Um, kind of had a slow start there with um, eating two losses. They lost to um, Bullet Club, and they also lost to Rapungi 3K um, in the beginning, the first two nights there. But they've uh, rebound from those losses. On the 25th, they defeated the team of TJP and Clark Connors. On the 27th, they defeated uh, Yumora and Tiger Mask, and then... On today's show, on the 28th, they defeated the Mega Coaches. Yeah, so, I mean, what 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 is there to say that hasn't been said about the Birds of Prey? I mean, the standout team of this tournament, the standout junior tag team of New Japan in 2019, and, uh, you know, they're, uh, they've only been teaming together for a couple months now. And I mean, Yeah, since, like, lo- August? Pretty much, yeah, like, late August almost, right? Maybe I'm wrong on so that. That was their first official, like, tag match. Bro, they like when people mention, and I know it sounds almost blasphemous to say this, but when they when they get those uh, comparisons to the Golden Lovers, I think they're every bit deserved. I'm not saying they're on the exact same level, but I mean, not since that tag team have we seen a tandem that can do the things that Eagles and Osprey do. Now there are times where they're not completely in sync in it. Sometimes it's Eagles. He, he, <laughs> he botches some of these um, spots that they're trying to do the double team spots, but. Overall, man, these guys freaking rule. They freaking rule, and I'm loving the story with Eagles and Osprey and what this is leading to for them going forward out of this tournament. Yeah, these guys have just been simply phenomenal. You know, we mentioned um, just a little bit ago about Eagles not quite gelling with Phantasmo or Ishimori, but him and Osprey together, man, they, they were meant to be together, and we've been talking, you know, last several weeks and months how much um, how much better Eagles is as a babyface, and him here as a babyface teaming with Will Osprey. They have amazing chemistry. Some of the double team maneuvers they do are really well, and both these guys are really good at selling and getting uh, sympathy on on themselves and getting the crowd into their matches. And yeah, I mean every match they have, you know, not every match not not every match goes into the four star range, but it gets really close. Um, a lot of dynamic action, high pace. I mean, these guys go out there and kill it. Even that night that Osprey had food poisoning um, against Rapungi 3K, those guys still went out there, had a three and a half to 3.75 star match and killed it. Yeah, what really surprised me was I wasn't expecting a ton from the Clark Connors TJP match with them. And, bro, that match freaking ruled. Dude, the TJP and Will Osprey interactions in the ring they freaking rolled were awesome they rolled. I, I want tjp versus osprey <laughs> for that junior title at some point down the line because those guys have a lot of great chemistry together absolutely absolutely that match that match was freaking awesome i didn't expect as much as we got from it i was near four stars on that match yeah and they, they gave clark connors a lot a lot he shined in that match they've been doing a great job and of course we'll talk about them um a little bit later but yeah 
Clark had a great uh, match in there and uh, really shined that match. And Eagles and Osprey gave him a lot. Now the match they had on the twenty seventh with uh, was it Tiger Mask and Yu Yumura? Mm-hmm. Pretty good. Uh, I wouldn't say it blew me away, but I mean it was it was fine. It was an opener. It was a really good like opener tag match for that evening. But um, I think the match that we need to talk about was the one that just passed. Um, excuse me, this past evening. As the Birds of Prey took on the Super Coaches, and I mean, holy crap! Are we talking match at the tournament? Yeah, man. It, between this, I mean, this is really close to uh, Birds of Prey versus Bullet Club, but this match was just freaking awesome, man! So many near falls. I mean, Osprey, um, uh, Rocky kicked out the Os Cutter. Um, there was a, a kick out out of the, the Turbo Backpack. They were busting out all these signatures. Rocky had the arm bar on Will Ospreay. Uh, these guys just went back and forth. So much near falls. And, you know, you, you think of Rocky and Taguchi, and you might think, oh, these guys are just a comedy team, and they're in there with Ospreay and Eagles. Like, yeah, it'll be a good match, but it probably won't be anything out of this world. But, no, get those expectations out of your head. These guys killed it. It was the main event of the show. They gave you a 20-plus minute um uh, Big matchup here, um, high stakes. If Birds of Prey lost this match, they were going to be out of the tournament. Um, so much drama, so much, uh, so so many near falls in this matchup, man. This was an awesome main event. Yeah, and you have to consider too. I mean, with Osprey's expen- extensive uh, background facing these two guys, I mean, him and Taguchi, they faced off in the best of Super Juniors finals. That's near five stars in the past. They were in the finals. All, all four of these guys were in the B block uh, of the. Um, uh, best of Super Juniors this past year and had great matches against one another. Obviously, the Osprey Rocky Romero match, one of the top matches of the the year for juniors as well as of the tournament. And so, I mean, there's a lot of chemistry there, a lot of familiarity. And with the story going into it, you know, with the the chaos connections between Rocky Romero and Birds of Prey, and you know the uh, extension of partnership with them and Taguchi Japan, it's kind of like a almost an interfactional matchup here with a lot at stake, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And uh, this match really, really freaking exceeded expen- uh, uh, expectations. Yeah, man, this was great. Definitely go out of your way. If you're looking for something to watch from these last few shows, definitely watch this Osprey and Eagles first, Rocky and Taguchi. Even Osprey tweeted out today, he's like, I don't feel enough people have seen this match yet. Like, mm-hmm. we went out there and killed it, and I absolutely agree with him. That's something I was about to bring up. It, it is a shame because, you know, this week, we're going to go over the listeners' questions. And, uh, you know, there really are no questions related to the Junior Tag League. Um, I'm not sure how many people are watching it. And I get it because the way it's being delivered, it's video on demand, which actually is really convenient yeah. for for New Japan fans, the way it's being delivered. But at the same time, it doesn't endear itself to uh, appointment, de- you know, viewing, destination viewing. Right. I mean, you know, we're in several group chats. I mean, you know, social suplex chat, not many people are watching this. Um, you know, I'm in, you're, I'm in the uh, Voices of Wrestling Discord and the Super Jcast Discord. Don't really see a lot of activity or conversation about these shows on Twitter. Not a whole lot. You know, the, the diehards are watching and tweeting, but, you know, majority of people are not. You look at the grapple ratings, there's not a whole ton of um, grapple users that are rating these matches yet same thing with me i'm at work talking to my coworkers about this they haven't seen it <laughs> dude speaking of that <laughs> <laughs> speaking of like talking to wrestling about like non-wrestling fans do you, do you 
find it difficult to like explain like the podcast to like somebody who has like completely no idea, like knowledge of wrestling at all. For the, for the well, uh, embarrassingly enough, I don't tell very many people about the podcast. Yeah. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe I just need to stop telling people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do. I do tell some people. What was really problematic was like when I was uh, when I was online dating. And I'd be talking to a chick, and she'd be like, oh, well, let's hang out Monday. And I'm like, oh, I'm busy Monday. Well, what are you doing? Oh, I, and I wouldn't lie. I, I usually, I'm pretty honest to tell you. I'd be like, oh, I'm doing a podcast about what? Don't worry about it. Because <laughs> I want to tell them, because then they're going to be like, oh, I want to listen. And i be like, no, it's not for you. <laughs> Gatekeeper. <laughs> What's up? So, yeah. So, and then if I ever did have to explain it to somebody, I'm like, well, it's Japanese professional wrestling. What is that? Like Bro. sumo? Bro, dude, I was at a Halloween a costume party yesterday, and I was talking to this girl, and she's like, you know, oh, a girl, <laughs> and she you was, tell, <laughs> she was asking about the podcast or whatever. She knows I do it or whatever, and so she was like trying to ask, so like, what exactly do you guys talk about? And I'm like, and it was like it's pro wrestling, but it's in Japan. And she's like, oh, it's not sumo wrestling. I'm like, no, 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 not not sumo wrestling. And so she's like, so it's like performance, like so I'm like trying to explain to her like. Pro wrestling and it being Japan and I kayfabe people. <laughs> I'm like, it's like it's kind of like WWE, but it's real. <laughs> like so, like MMA. I'm like, exactly. <laughs> oh man, and but, I just leave it at that. But yeah, when people like have no idea about wrestling in general, like people who kind of know like what WWE is, I can be like, yeah, it's it's WWE, but it's in Japan, but it's better, better matches, more hard hitting. They kind of get it. But as somebody that has like. No, like I concept or idea of what like pro wrestling is or ever watch WWE or any kind of wrestling. It's a little bit hard, like trying to explain to them what the heck we're doing here. One time, I w- I, w- I was going out after we'd watched um we watched and well first we watched um a couple G one specials and then after the G one uh final like A block B block we watched we watched NXT Takeover at Dan's house. What oh up, yeah Dan? yeah Dan. So I was going out later that night. And I had uh, Jamie Spector with me. Shout out to Jamie, good friend of the show. And I was like, yeah, let's go down to Dunedin. We're going to hang out, you know, these these girls, whatever. We're meeting up with a group of people. And they had been like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, well, I'm at a party. Oh, what kind of party? Oh, uh, we're watching a fight. <laughs> <laughs> so then we, so we, get, <laughs> so we get to the place and they're like, oh, what 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 fight were you watching tonight? <laughs> this man Jamie just looks over at me. <laughs> he just shakes his head and like he's just like, oh my god, because I don't want to tell him it's pro wrestling. Yeah. I was like, well, it was a really good fight. <laughs> we're watching uh, Ishi, uh, Ishii and Shingo. Oh, I never heard of those fighters. <laughs> oh man. But anyways, back to back yeah, to back yeah. to uh, Birds of Prey. So the the one thing, um, well, there's two things that I want to point out here. Um, one of them. I think that it's very interesting how the booking of Birds of Prey is very reminiscent to the booking of Will Ospreay during the Best of the Super Juniors. He went on a deficit loss in the early part of the tournament, came back, but he was pretty much life or death almost every round every because he, he suffered early losses. Mm-hmm. And then on the flip side of that, you see the Bullet Club team who have only suffered one loss up to this point and are extremely dominant, but we've got a few nights left. And the point totals are pretty close. This is a very, very similar scenario to what we saw at Best of the Super Juniors when it came down to Osprey, uh, Eagles, and um, Phantasmo in the B block. Yeah. 
And uh, something that I kind of want to point out and so, some stats from um, friend of the show Chris Samsa. And you probably what heard up, Chris? probably heard his name on New Japan broadcast, and he will be on this show next week to review Power Struggle with us. If you check out his site, sportofprowrestling.com, he has a whole bunch of stats on the Junior Tag League, and I thought it was very interesting. You didn't clear that with me. <laughs> In two weeks, I'm bringing my own special guest on. I'm not going to tell anybody. They're just going to show up. Oh, I, I told you. Yeah, I'm kayfabe. <laughs> uh, but uh, 56% of the time, Eagles has been the legal man in the match, hmm. and he's gotten three of the winning falls that they've had. So I think it's very clear that they're, they're trying to get some steam behind Robbie Eagles. They're trying to right. get push him. And I think what's going to happen, eventually Osprey is going to move up full-time heavyweight, and they're going to have Robbie Eagles kind of be the, the full-time Gaijin junior heavyweight of chaos. Jeremy, this is why we're the best New Japan podcast on the internet. That is exactly the second point that I was going to allude to, mm. but you hit the nail right on the head. They're very clearly building up Robbie Eagles through his connection to Will Ospreay to be the next incumbent, like uh, junior ace of chaos. It's going to be the representative of chaos when uh, Will Ospreay is ready to go up to the, to the next level. And I mean, we talked about how last year Robbie Eagles had a little bit of a, I would, I'd say slightly underwhelming representation in the um, junior tag league. And it's only recently with this turn that they really started to put serious focus on him and, now right. through this tournament, which a lot of people aren't watching it, unfortunately, but at the same time, they're putting a lot of money in the bank to build up uh, goodwill with the fan base and with the fans in Japan and the viewers to understand like, hey, we're getting behind this guy. So whether this team wins the tournament or not, that's what I was talking about when I said I really enjoy the story that they're telling because they're clearly boosting um, Robbie Eagles. And I would almost venture to say that how last year, I, I it's not exactly to the same level, but last year's tournament was about building Shingo. Ultimately, I think a lot of what this tournament is about is about building Robbie Eagles. Yeah, definitely agree. And also, even with last year with the Taiji team, I felt like the focus was on Taiji. I mean, I don't have the stats to prove it, but if I remember correctly, I feel like, you know, the focus was Taiji. Taiji was the one who got the falls when they won. Well, that makes sense because he ended up being the the guy to go and face... um, Kushida at, right. at Wrestle Kingdom, and that makes total sense. Right, so Eagles was kind of in the background there, and didn't mm-hmm. really get a chance to shine, and then finally you know, kind of breaking out in uh, Best of the Super Junior this year is kind of the, the, the kickoff of that, and then going on into the face turn and everything and teaming with Osprey, like the focus is definitely now on Eagles. He's able to kind of perform um, in a role he's more comfortable in and just having these awesome tag team matches, and he had some awesome matches in the Best of the Super Juniors also. You said it perfectly. I don't have anything else to say about this team. Any final thoughts before we move on? No, I mean, this, like I said, phenomenal team. Go out of your way to check out the Rocky and Taguchi match from today's show. Also, if you haven't already, go back and watch uh, them versus Bullet Club from night one. Awesome. So let's talk about the uh, next team. They're tied up uh, with the Birds of Prey at sitting at eight points, four wins, two losses. The team of Rocky Romero, Ryazuki Taguchi. The super coaches. Yeah, I'm getting confused because I know they call themselves super coaches. Kevin's been calling them mega coaches. I like mega coaches better. Yeah. What were we calling them originally? Well, they well we called them the coach, coach and coach, coach connection. connection. Yeah. I like that actually. <laughs> I like coach and coach connection best. 
So let's let's stick with coaching coaches then. <laughs> uh, but so on October 22nd, they defeated Suzuki Goon. On the 23rd, they lost to Bullet Club. On the 27th, they defeated Rapungi 3K. And then on today's show, they lost to Eagles and Osprey. So my um, my general thoughts, three things. Number one, this team has been awesome. Number two, they've gotten some very big, somewhat upset victories over favorite teams in the Suzuki Goon team as well as Rapungi 3K. And then number three, this team just cracks me up. I really enjoy their work. Yeah, like it's the perfect mix of, you know, the antics and then solid in-ring action. You know, a, a lot once again, you know, I mentioned earlier, you know, a lot of people when they think of Taguchi, they think of just the clown, this guy that's obsessed with ass-based offense and doing the coaches plays and the dancing and all that stuff and you know, Rocky's kind of been in a commentary role more managing uh before like kind of the best of Super Junior and People really don't think much of these guys, but you look at these guys. Taguchi, one of the best juniors in New Japan. You look back at some history. of history. Yeah, look back at some of his uh, super junior tag ter- or super junior tournaments. He's had some excellent matches. And then um, Rocky Romero, this guy is just outstanding. And you look, he he's one of you know the greatest junior tag wrestlers between all the teams that he's had with you know uh, Trent Beretta. And um, Kozlov and uh, Davey Richards. This guy has been killing in the, in the tag team game. And then this year, he's had a chance to kind of break out once again the singles of his best of the Super Junior. But even a lot of his single stuff is has always been really great. And he's a really great worker. Yeah. And as we said before, these guys have been going out there and they've been having great, great matches. Um, you know, I would actually right now and maybe i don't know if you think i'm off base in saying this but other than birds of prey i think they're like the number one team as far as performance wise yeah, i'm right there yeah man they're definitely one of the best performing teams in this tournament uh these guys have just they've just been great and you know, they, yeah they do their kind of coach gimmick stuff but then when it's time to go they go and they've been having some solid action some great double team maneuvers and uh, picking up some great wins and you know, the October 27th match with Rapungi 3K, that was a hell of a match. And I popped when Rocky pinned show. I I was like, yeah, there's no way that they're going to have, you know, their quote-unquote manager, their coach, you know, beat them. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is going to be, you know, Rapungi 3K all day. But no, Rocky came in there, pulled the, that uh, inside cradle, one, two, three, big win for the coaches, you know, Rapungi 3K, they're the ace of the junior tag division. They're the team that, you know, the, the homegrown Japanese team. The Standard New Bears. Ja- yeah, the New Japan has gotten, gotten behind and have pushed and are always in the Wrestle Kingdom title matches and these big title matches on pay-per-view. And they got this big upset here. Yeah. And, you know, this is something that's interesting. We talked about this. So we, you and I were watching some of these matches together, and I was like, you know, when they first beat Suzuki Goon, I was like, well, that means that they're because they were already on a winning streak prior to that. And I was like, well, get ready, because that means that they're going to, you know, suffer some losses. Mm-hmm. Um, but the main thing is with this team right now, they, they've got, what, two losses. And um, I mean, taking a look at it, let me take a look here. Um, I mean, really, they've only lost to Birds of Prey as well as uh, the Bull Club team. And I think that that alludes to the point that I had kind of mentioned. I was like, you know, 
them beating a team like Suzuki Goon puts them in an advantageous position. That means that some other big name teams in this tournament are going to need to defeat them to kind of make up the point deficits and balance things out. Um, but they're actually still, even with that being the case, they're trending higher in the point totals than I had ex- anticipated that they would. Same here, yeah. And even though they've suffered those two losses to those two big teams, which I think will ultimately be a very focal and pivotal point as to who gets to go on, I really, at this point, wouldn't be surprised if they wound up in some sort of crazy... I don't want to say... I don't think they're going to be in the finals necessarily. And I don't think they're going to necessarily end up in a triple threat. But if we wind up with some sort of crazy eight-man, like, four-way at Power Struggle, I wouldn't be surprised if they... Be, if right. they're the fourth team at this point, yeah. with how, how how much they're pushing them? Yeah, I can definitely see that. You know, last year we saw there was that that draw that eventually led to them doing that triple threat with um, Shingo and Bushi, Rapungi 3K, and Suzuki Goon. So we could see something similar here, but it being a four way like Bullet Club, Birds of Prey, uh, Rapungi 3K, and the Mega Coaches, possibly, so possibly. Um, I also really enjoyed their uh, their match with Suzuki Goon and uh, Taguchi. He uh, took some swigs of uh, the whiskey and he was acting like he was drunk. And uh, like after they won, he was trying to go on the top rope to celebrate. And he was <laughs> slipping, so that was hilarious. Uh, but yeah, that was another upset one there with Suzuki Goon. You know, Desperado Kanemaru, they've kind of been the major foils for Rapungi 3K and have been kind of that top heel tag team in the junior tag division the last couple of years and so for coach and coach to come out here and beat those guys former junior tag champions um looks really great yeah um you know these guys are exceeding in almost every department entertainment wise performance wise elevating their stock making their uh their opponents look good as well and just kind of factoring into the overall they're they're one of the key most enjoyable things in this entire tournament and one reason to actually be tuning in night in and night out. And I wouldn't have expected that from this team. I, I would have thought that they were just like a sideshow B kind of comedy Yano relief, and they really haven't exceeded that. And I think we, we're we getting to a point where we need to start talking about Big Match Rocky. Yeah, definitely. In fact, we might even need to get to a point where we're not talking about Big Match Rocky. We're just talking about uh, normal. Just, just Rocky. This is Rocky. Just Rocky. <laughs> yeah. He's fucking awesome. Yeah. And I'm not just putting him over because he was on the podcast before. Because, I mean, if, if he sucked here, I would be the first to say it. But, dude, Rocky and Taguchi, they're freaking awesome. Yeah, they are a great team. And, you know, Rocky, man, he just has that junior tag, you know, game plan all set and down. But even Taguchi, too, with um, being on Apollo 55, with um, Prince Devitt and teaming up with uh, ACH in uh, Super 69. You mean Jordan Miles? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to call him by his slave name. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Was there somebody else that Taguchi teamed up with in between that? Yeah. Uh, But I'm blanking right uh, now. Yeah, I'm blanking. Well, I know know he teamed with Ricochet for a little bit. uh, Yeah, yeah, uh, Funky funky Future. Yeah, but they didn't team very long. Yeah. But still, like, Taguchi's had some great junior tag matches as well. So you, you got two guys who have a lot of experience in junior tags, and you put them together, and it's just been a, a perfect match. Yeah. So, I mean, these guys still have a couple really tough, uh, you know, matches ahead of them. But, um, man, Rocker Marin Taguchi, freaking killing it. Yeah. So we're going to talk about the uh, Suzuki Gun team now, El Desperado and Yoshinobu Kanamaru. They are also 
at four wins and two losses with eight points on the 22nd. They were defeated by the Mega Coaches on the 26th. They were defeated by Teton and Voldor. And then on the 27th, they defeated TJP and Clark Connors. In the 28th, they defeated Umora and Tiger Mask. Yeah, so um, what are your what are your overall thoughts on uh, Suzuki Gun at this point in the tournament? You know, I think they've had some good performances. I mean, nothing they've done has really blown me away yet. Uh, you know, if Desperado kind of coming back, you would think maybe he would kind of have a, a chip on his shoulder and kind of want to um, perform. Not that he hasn't been performing to a high level, but I, I don't know. This maybe I was expecting a little bit more from these guys. Um, and there's been a, a lot of um, cheating and shenanigans, a lot of ref bumps. Um, they've been doing this gimmick where Desperado gets one guy in his um, his Brock Lock looking submission. I forget what he calls it. And then you have um, Katamaru spit the, the the whiskey in the other guy's face, and that leads to the tap out. Um, so, yeah, they've been, there's been a, kind of a lot of cheating to their matches. And, and of course, it's normal, like jumping at the bell, that kind of stuff. So... I mean, my, my whole thing with Suzuki Goon is they've, they've gone up against a few different teams here that everyone else is going to face, like the two Young Lion teams, Teton and Volador, as well as um, Super Coaches. And every match has been fine. It's been the exact same things that you expect from Suzuki Goon. But they've all really been, if you want my honest opinion, about three stars. Yeah, they've definitely kind of been that three star, maybe three and a quarter range, nothing super high. Yeah, and I mean, if you really enjoy the Suzuki Goon shtick and you really enjoy the outside beatings with the chairs and, you know, the choking and, the you know, the freaking guardrails and that sort of thing and, and the cheating and shenanigans, then this is probably for you. But, you know, this is a team that started the, the uh, tournament hot. They got that big win over Rapongi 3K. I believe they also beat, what, uh, Birds of Prey? No, they beat Bullet Club. Oh, yeah, that, that's right. They beat Bullet Club. So they, they went up early. But then they suffered defeats to two of the um, teams that you wouldn't have expected to beat them, like the CMLL team as well as the Super Coaches, and so they're kind of right in the middle of the pack here. They're they're at a point where like a loss could hypothetically knock them out, but they're right still in the mix to potentially be winning this thing. But nothing that they've done has really blown me away. I mean, I think I enjoyed their two early matches best, and since then. Um, I mean, we're in the middle of the tournament, so it's not like that crazy. And they they haven't been having main events, so you can't really hold too much against them. But uh, up to this point, I would just say super mid. Yeah, yeah. I, I really don't have much else to add to these guys. I mean, none of these matches that they've had, I would really like say go out of your way to. Nothing, oh. nothing here so far. I mean the the best match that they had was. Well, I liked the Rapunga three K match. You didn't really enjoy that I, match. again. Yeah, I thought that was it was fine. And I know a lot of people dug the Bullet Club, but I think it was just because of the uh, the style clash more so than anything else. So ultimately, yeah. I, I don't think Suzuki Goon. But you know, in all fairness, this has never really been a podcast. It's been super high on this Suzuki Goon tandem. I mean, they they serve their purpose. We enjoy them for their gimmicks. I think that both guys are super talented. But as a tag team, I've never really. I'm not super. I'm not down on them. I'm just never been super. High yeah, on I mean they're they're fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean we've. I think we enjoy both these guys in singles roles. More than we do together. My my biggest gripe ever was just when they had that super lengthy uh, junior tag tile run, but it, that was more so at, probably out of necessity, just because they didn't have the uh, enough teams to really facilitate a uh, 
a division. And now it seems like we've, we've got more life and more blood in this division. So, um, but at the same time, I mean, I'm going to say right now, I don't think Suzuki Goon is going to be winning this, but they're right in the mix. So, and hopefully going into these last few nights, we see more of that urgency and a, a, you know, big match performance out of these guys. Yeah. So next up, we got Rapungi 3K, Show and Yo. They're at three and two with six points. On the 27th, we had the Mega Coaches defeating Rapungi 3K. And then on the 28th, Rapungi 3K defeated Teton and Boldor Jr. Mm. Yeah, so I mean, is it fair to say that this is a team that is performing extremely well, but also underperforming at the same time? Yes, that's that's exactly what I was thinking when I was watching them today. I was like, I was thinking back of, you know, their matches for this podcast, and I was like, they haven't had anything that's been, like, completely blow away, but at the same time, nothing's been, like, really bad. Well, and, and not only that, it's not even that, ha- because I think what you're saying there is almost, like, more descriptive of, say, like, Suzuki Goon. I think maybe a more adept description is they've had nothing that wasn't good to very good, but nothing great. Yeah. Like, they're they're above that three-star level. They're having right. I feel, really I feel, good matches. I feel they're in, in the three-and-a-half to 3.75 range. And the best match they had was probably with Birds of Prey the other week. Yeah. Uh, I would say so, but... um. You know, I mean, I've been enjoying them. I, I really liked the uh, match with the CMLL team. I thought it was fun and fine, but, you know, it, it was right there as a semi-main event. And then, um, you know, the, the the main event match that they had with uh, Rocker Marin Taguchi, that well, that might be their best yeah, match. That, yeah, that, was, that pro- was probably better than the Birds of Prey, and that was a very good match. I mean, Rapongi 3K, like we said, they're the standard bears. They're the, they're the you know, the, the key junior tag team in the division, what everyone kind of aspires to, and hopes for but um i don't know i'm wondering if like they're there's a part of me that thinks that they're walking away with this tournament again three mm. years in a row yeah there's another part of me that's like they would never do that and maybe this team kind of knows that and they're just not like delivering to that same level because you know maybe they're not winning i don't know yeah i mean those are all factors that could could be contributing to their match quality and yeah man i still i don't still know what it is I don't think there's much to complain about because the matches have been very good, but the hard part is, like, we don't know what the story is. There, there, there's not a lot of emphasis on where they are in the, you know, in the division. Like, obviously, there's a there's a lot to kind of sink your teeth into when you're talking about a lot of different teams here. And while, while this team is doing very well, there's not much narrative about their about what their – motivations are their goals what they're doing right kind of just where they've always been and they haven't really grown right it's like you know we're this junior team we won before so we want to win again and that's about as far as it gets and then you kind of look at the other teams you know you got this built-in rivalry with birds of prey and bullet club and the heat between those four guys you have uh rocky and taguchi kind of being this cinderella Story this team that you didn't expect to do great and they're doing well and getting these big wins. Um, even with you know, like TJP and Clark Connors and Tiger Mask and Yumora, you got these guys kind of mentoring these young lions and helping the young lions grow. And then Suzuki Gun, you got the, re- the return of Desperado and trying to get back on track. But for Punky 3K, it's like, what is the real, what is the story, right? Since the um, since the conclusion of the 
best of super juniors, we kind of been wondering what's the deal, where are these guys going, what's next for them. You know, I, I also kind of felt like that loss that the, the, those back to back losses to to the Suzuki Goon team kind of took the wind out of their sails right from the get go. Yeah. And even though they've been doing well since then, it's like there's been very little like uh, momentum behind them. Now, I could see this, though. I could. Hi- it's not exactly the same. But you remember when Tanahashi won the G1, he was just kind of quietly racking up points. We weren't saying a lot. And then the last few nights, he just kind of like breezed past and, and got to where he was going. That is still a possibility with Burpungi 3K, but it's going to be very difficult for them because they're sitting at what? Three and or uh, six points. Sitting at six points. They're three and two. Yeah. So, I mean, at that point, I think they can't afford to take another loss or they're eliminated. Is that correct? I believe so. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the that's the main thing right now. Yeah, I expect them to kind of uh, go on a streak this week with their uh, remaining matches and I, I do see them kind of, they could kind of come out kind of nowhere and end up um, getting to the finals of this thing. I know we've talked a lot about the title picture, what winning this tournament means and the implications beyond power struggle going into Wrestle Kingdom. And, you know, if you're talking about out of all these teams, who would be a good foil for a heel tag team like, for instance, say, um, the Bull Club team, you could easily go Burt's Prey that... There's a there's a you know six month long uh, story there, but they might be blowing that off or, or doing something different. I wouldn't be we've got to kind of wonder what is Rapongi 3K gonna wind up doing at uh, Wrestle Kingdom, and that mm. might be the spot that fits them best. And so that's kind of why I think that right now this might all just be like you know we're, we're being thrown off the trail. They're at three and two, yada yada. And then turn around and they pick up, what, the last three nights and get themselves back to where they need to be. It's totally possible that they do that so that, that maybe they set them up for, say, Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, I could see that. But, yeah, that's uh, pretty much all I got on these guys. Anything else from you? Nope. Uh, let's talk about the CMLL team of Teton and Volador Jr. Yeah, so these guys are 3-3, three and three, six points on the 26. They defeated the Suzuki Goon team. They fell to the Bullet Club team on the 27th, and they fell to Rapungi 3K on today's show, the 28th. Uh, I got to say, man, Teton and Voldor have been having a very good tournament. Yeah. Uh, Voldor, you know, he's one of these guys that, you know, we've said it and other uh, journalists and uh, podcasters have said, you know, Voldor, when he comes to New Japan, a lot of the times he kind of mails it in and will do his kind of key spots, and that's about it. He doesn't really, you know, put forth a lot of effort. But that has been the complete opposite case in this tournament. I don't know what it is, but he feels extra motivated, and he's been really kind of pushing the pace in these in these matches. Might be because that Alonzo money would be running dry. <laughs> <laughs> um no, in all, in all seriousness, though, you're ap- you, you're absolutely right in your assessment of these guys. Now, one comparison I would make for Teton and Volador Jr., if I had to compare them to another similar contemporary uh, tournament run in recent past, I would compare their run to the run that maybe, say, Jonathan Gresham had during the best of the Super Juniors, a guy who didn't perform at top, top levels but wasn't necessarily given the opportunity to main event and do that sort of thing. And while they've had some semi-main events, for the most part, they've been in these 
undercard to semi-main events. Mm-hmm. And they've been given, you know, around 15 minutes. And they've just really performed at a super high level for what they've been given. Yeah, I think they've probably one of the best teams at maximizing their minutes. Like you yep. mentioned, I, w- I would say most of their matches probably average between 12 to 15 minutes. And within that time period, these guys, they're electric. They're flying all over the place. They're, you know, really pushing the pace. Um, and just you can tell that they're working really hard, especially Voldor. Yep. And um, there's a lot, a lot of energy to their matches. Um, and they're, they're fun, exciting matches. By the time they're over, you're like, oh, it's, it's done already. You kind of want a little bit more from these guys. The only thing I would kind of wish for, I, I, I miss the old days when, um, you know, luchadors would come to Japan and be such a big deal in Japan. You know, the days of like your Fishmans and your male Mascaras and, you know, just different guys like that, even like Mystico. And um, right now, Teton and Volador Jr. to me don't necessarily feel that way. I feel like they, they're performing at a high level, they're entertaining, the fans are loving them, but I am I would almost hope that with, given the nature of where the wrestling industry is right now and the uncertainty of where everybody is, that they would almost kind of step up their presence and their star presentation, because like, there's often nights where Teton and Volder Jr., are, like, they're mixing up their like, uh, attires quite a bit, which, there's nothing wrong with that, but there's not like a central look to really like, sink your teeth into. Mm-hmm. Voldor's wearing a lot of weird stuff, Teton changes his, like, Gear from trunks to tights and his <laughs> masks, and um, I kind of wish that they'd kind of be more on like the, presenting themselves as, as superstars, kind of big mega superstars from Mexico, so that there would be like almost that aura of like, oh my god, like Volador is here, you know. And right, right. now, it just feels like Volador is here, right? But as far as entertaining, fun matches, I'm loving this team. This right. is like one of the best CML tag teams that they've brought in for one of these tournaments in years. And I think another issue that with this team is like, you we really don't know kind of like what their finishers are. Like, <laughs> I, like, I, like I know Voldor a lot of times will win matches with um, a super Spanish fly. Mm-hmm. And then um, Teton's thing has kind of been like the flash pins. Like he mm-hmm. gets all these like wacky lucha roll-ups. Well, in, in Mexico he uses uh, submissions a lot too. Yeah, that's true, yeah. Uh, but in this tournament he's won a lot of matches with a lot of these like Kind of wacky, quick lucha roll-ups, and, uh, and that's probably more to protect the guys that they're beating mm-hmm. more so than anything else. It's not necessarily about getting these guys over, but at the same time, I'd like to see them get more over than they already are. And I, I guess they are doing that, but like I just miss those days when right. it was a big deal to bring in like the luchadors, you know. And even with like Dragon Lee, when he when he's ever in New Japan, it does feel like a big deal. Yeah, and I know you were kind of joking about the Alonzo money being dry, but with the kind of the, the question on whether or not Dragon Lee is going to be able to sign a New Japan or if he's going to go somewhere else, do you think a guy like Voldor and Teton kind of see that door open to kind of be that new current, that, that current guy that gets bring over more often, and maybe that's why they're kind of turning it up a little bit? I think that that's probably definitely a motivating factor. I couldn't sit here and tell you what the, what the head's over in um, – you know, the, J- the Japan office are thinking when they see these guys or, you know, what the um, representatives at CMLL are thinking of as far as who they want to send over and that sort of thing. So I, I can't say with any certainty, but if I'm Teton and Volador and I know the, the current situation and I look at, you know, my opportunities where I can work and make money, this is probably a place I would want to be most likely. So, yeah, I think that's definitely a motivating factor. 
But yeah, I mean, these guys, like I said, been having a lot of electric matches. Um, their Punky 3K match was a lot of fun. You know, Show and Yo had some time in Mexico as the uh, Tempora Boys. Um, and so they're kind of used to that lucha style. So they were kind of a great uh, mix for Teton and Volador. Um The Bullet Club match was a lot of fun as well. There was a great spot where um, Phantasmo's doing the rope walk to uh, Teton. And then Volador's just kind of sitting there watching. And at first you're kind of like, why is Volador just like watching his partner like mm-hmm. getting this move done to him? And then as Phantasma, like, makes his way around to Voldor, Voldor just pops up and hits this, like, super Spanish fly. And it was a great was spot. Awesome. And it was just awesome. There's been a lot of really cool, innovative double team moves that Teton and Volador yeah. have been doing. I don't even know how to call some of them, but there's just some really wacky things that they're doing that nobody else does. And that's kind of what you want. When you talk about bringing in, like, a luchador element to one of your uh, tournaments and you want to make it this big international thing, you want them to wrestle and represent differently from everybody else in the tournament, and that's exactly what these guys bring to the table. And, I mean, nothing but impressed. Yeah. Uh, Titani does that one spot where it's, it's kind of similar to, like, that Miz clothesline, except he, like, flings himself out of the ring every time. Yeah. And every time it, does, it gets me every time, I'm like, oh, <laughs> is he okay? <laughs> he just, like, <laughs> took a bump for, like, no reason. Um, he also did an awesome um, Asai moonsault to the outside um, it looked like he hurt his knee. It was during the Rapunky 3K match, but he ended up being fine. But yeah, he takes a lot of kind of like crazy risk. And there's Teton. Yeah, and there's also that Teton one. Yeah, is fine. <laughs> uh, also, that one spot he does where he kind of does like that fake out flip dive thing. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Also, so yeah, been uh, super impressed with Teton and Voldor. Um, a much better combo than um, Voldor and Soberano. Um, think Teton. Um, Kind of has a, I don't know, it's a better a better presence than Soberano. Totally agree. So then that brings us to TJP and Clark Connors. They're 0-6, nothing on the board. On the 25th, they lost to Birds of Prey. On the 27th, they lost to suzuki Goon. On the 28th, they lost to Bullet Club. Yeah, I mean, we've said this before, and there's nothing surprising here. This team's not going to put up any points, and... um yeah, and I mean, neither of the the teams with Young Lions are going to put up any points. So that's not necessarily what this is about. But at the same time, you're seeing this, um, you know, this tag team between TJP, who represents like the early generation of the LA Dojo, as you heard Rocky Romero talk about earlier on the podcast, and uh, you know, that representing that Inokiism era, and then kind of um, tag teaming with one of the new generation LA Dojo guys and Clark Connors, and it's about the kind of introduce, reintroduction of TJP to the Japanese audience. But at the same time, the partnership between him, the generational partnership between him and Clark Connors and kind of um, getting Clark Connors acclimated to this new system and style of wrestling. And I mean, I've really, between the two, if I had to talk about tandems, not necessarily perform, like individual performers, but as a tandem, TJP and Clark Connors are trending higher for me than Tiger Mask and Yu Yamura. Same here. Um, and we, we, we've been kind of singing the praises of TJP on this podcast and just how great he is and just how a great, uh, well-rounded wrestler he is. And then um, we've been singing Clark Connors' praise too, um, especially kind of during the Young Lion Cup and just how aggressive he is. And we've kind of compared him uh, very similar to a, a crisp and wob, which is like the body size and just um, just how aggressive he is in matches. And, uh, you know, they, they've uh, started establishing this relationship between these two. 
um, during the Super J Cup where TJP defeated Clark Connors uh, to advance on that first night of the Super J Cup. And then we see him teaming here, and I think they've they've done really well together. And um, like you mentioned, this this teaming is about reintroducing TJP to the Japanese audience and um, kind of you know get, getting Clark Connors that experience he needs and getting him acclimated with um, the Japanese wrestlers and the Japanese crowd. And I think he's been doing a great job. Yeah, I mean the one exciting thing, he, well that. Everything about this tag team is pretty exciting, um, you know, because we're talking about a junior division that's pretty depleted, you know, over the past years. We saw the exit of Kushida. We saw the graduation of Shingo Takagi. And um, very soon we're and then obviously uh, with um, Jushin Thunder Liger will be retiring and moving on. And we're not very far away from, um, you know, essentially. uh Will Ospreay graduating. We don't know where Marty is in terms of, um, you know, the contract situation. Isn't he dead? Yeah. (laughs) 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 And then, um, you know, not to mention with the sidelining of Hiromu, and then we still don't know where Dragon Lee is. So we're talking about a a junior division that's very much in flux, very much so. And then, you know, they're kind of gifted with uh, the reintroduction of TJP. And seeing him in this tournament, face off with so many different guys, it really kind of whets your appetite for singles competition with him down the road. Uh, hopefully he stays with the company. I mean, we don't know what his situation is, but there seems to be a lot of teasing going around with him, and they've kept him looking extremely strong, even though the team is 0-6, you know. Um, I'm very excited for the potential matches with TJP and the rest of the roster. Right, and yeah, like you mentioned, even though they're 0-6, when TJP's in the ring... He's looking strong. He's a lot of great offense. He's using that kind of lucha-based uh, submission style that he kind of blends together. Um, he has and all the styles. He, he does. <laughs> he really does. <laughs> and uh, kind of getting over, getting back over with the Japan crowd, and the crowd's been kind of taking to him, and um, he's been looking great. And then uh, Clark Connors getting in there, um, like I mentioned earlier, just very aggressive, and he's been looking great. And a lot of these guys have been giving him a lot of great offense, and he's gotten a lot of near submissions um, with his Boston Crabs in these tag matches. Um, and in the Bullet Club match that happened today, I mean, there was so many um, close near falls with Connors, um, with over Ishimori and Phantasmo. So just, you know, the fact that they give this guy so much in these tag matches has been great. Yeah, I mean... That's just one of the fun and exciting things. When you include uh, young lines in tournaments like this, you know what the deal is as far as what the point totals will be, but that's not what it is, what it's about. It's about the character development and the progression of those those um, performers. And, I mean, this is such an incredible opportunity for Clark Connors. And, I mean, I think this is also probably a good way to kind of segue into um, the discussion about Tiger Mask and Yuya Moore because Yuya Moore is right there in the same line as Clark Connors, just two two young lions who are blowing people away and really growing a lot. I mean, we're seeing a lot of growth with both of these guys in this tournament, um, especially Yumora. Yeah. So yeah, Tiger Mask and Yumora, they're 0 and 5, zero points on the 27th. They lost to Birds of Prey on the 28th. They lost to Suzuki Goon. And yeah, like you mentioned, um, Yumora was looking really good in these tag matches and he's um, getting a lot of valuable um, experience here in this tournament and kind of being groomed by Tiger Mask and they have been telling this kind of story where 
Tiger Mask knows that if he's in the ring, there's a better chance of, of their team winning. taking the fall. But the same time, oh, you mean of you more? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like Tiger Mask knows there's a better chance of him getting, getting the win, right? Um, but then he has this kind of internal struggle: Do I stay in the ring and try and finish this off, or do I give this young lion a chance to shine and, and experience? And he's gone that way with giving, every single time. Yeah, giving you more of the chance and giving him the experience. He's like, he knows deep down in his heart, he's like, I know we're probably gonna lose, but he's sacrificing. The potential of winning to give this young lion a chance and to give him the experience he needs. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, that's something that we, from a formulaic standpoint, we see this all the time. Like the um, the team that has the young lion on their side, you'll see the veteran in the ring running roughshod over everybody, and uh, he'll get he'll finally get like the upper hand, and then you'll see the the, the young lion up on the corner just begging to be let in and you know the the um the veteran just thinking like should I stand here or should I let this guy in and they always let the, the young lion in and then they go into the closing sequence with him um so it's not something that we're, we never see but you're absolutely right it is a continuing storyline and they've even outlined this on commentary and you know that's a great job by the commentary when they do point that out and mention like hey you know this guy you know probably would win if he stood in the ring but instead he's letting the uh the young lion you know get the opportunity and even though he keeps losing and maybe tiger mask is stupid for that but <laughs> you know ultimately you he's giving you more of his shot to prove himself right and I, I think it was the birds of prey match where there was a little bit of a longer delay and him kind of thinking of whether or not he was going to tag him in, and then eventually he did it. Well, at this point, it doesn't even matter because they're already out. So <laughs> right. <laughs> might as well. Go ahead, kid. Cra- ha- have at it. Right. He could do, unless he's doing the Kojima math and thinking he uh, still has a chance. Still, we still have it. There's still a chance. There's literally <laughs> no chance. Anything is possible. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you're literally mathematically eliminated. <laughs> I will never give up. <laughs> Yeah. So do we um do we want to go through some grades for these teams real quick? Yeah, so let's start with the leaders, El Pantasmo and Taiji Ishimori. I would go with the solid B. Gotcha. I'd, I'll give them a, a B plus. Mm, gotcha. And uh, where are we with Birds of Prey? Birds of Prey, A plus, man. Um, I wouldn't go quite so high, but I'd definitely go A. Yeah, these guys have just been phenomenal killing it. The only way I would go, like, A-plus is if I felt like they were trending even higher. And, I mean, they're trending as high as you could probably imagine a team like this to go at this point in this tournament. So, um, I think A is perfectly befitting of them. But, I mean, they're they're freaking awesome. Then we got the uh, Mega Coaches. I'm A-minus. Uh, I was just a flat A, but I can I can see uh, A-minus, A. Yeah, but they're definitely that A they're there. They're there, man. Yeah. Yeah. Great team. Uh, Suzuki Yoon. Um, I'd go B minus. Yeah, honestly, as we've been talking, I was like thinking like maybe my, maybe even C plus. I I could go C plus on on them probably. Yeah, I'm just like just <laughs> if I was grading on a curve, knowing what they're capable of and knowing what they've been delivering. I mean, but I mean, I I feel like B minus probably fair because I mean they've been fine. Yeah. Uh, then Rapunky 3K. B. Yeah, flat B. Like once, like we said, like. They haven't had, like, horrible matches, but at the same time, they have not been trending high, like, you know, bird to prey or anything. So, definitely flat B. Uh, Teton and Volador. 
Um, I got these guys a B plus. I would go B plus. Let's grade on that curve, baby. <laughs> I just think these guys, like we mentioned, they haven't been given a main event. They haven't gotten 20 plus minutes. They're getting 10, 12, 13 minutes, but, and they're making that time count. B plus the Daniel Bryan spot. <laughs> B plus players. The, the Jonathan Gresham uh, <laughs> grade of la- of <laughs> Super Juniors. Uh, then we got uh, TJP and Clark Connors. I'd go B. Yeah, went B. Um, and then Tiger Mask and Yuya Mora. I would go like a C plus. Yeah, I go C plus also. And one thing I did want to mention, I do feel like Tiger Mask has looked really good in this tournament. He's looked as good as he's looked in the last few tournaments for sure. Yeah, hitting a lot of um, crossbars, and there was well, even a couple crossbars to the outside. Everybody's working really hard on this tournament, and that's that's the one thing is like no one is just mailing it in really. Right. So I mean, this has been a this a much better tournament than last year's Super Juniors. Oh yeah, I've really enjoyed this or tournament. Super Junior Tag League. Yeah. Uh, definitely, there's a lot of great matches that you guys. If you're not paying attention to this tournament, there's a lot of great matches. Kind of go back and check out. And uh, we got a few more live shows coming up this week. So we have October 30th, which will feature Rapungi 3K versus Tiger Mask and Yu Yamura. Then on Halloween, October 31st, we got Tiger Mask and Yamura versus TJP and Clark Connors. So one of these young line teams is going to get a, a win here. And then on November 1st, which is the final day, we'll have Rocky Romero and Ritsuke Gucci against Teton and Voldor, Birds of Prey versus Suzuki Goon, and Rapungi 3K versus Bullet Club. Then obviously the, the top two teams from that end on November 1st will move on to November 3rd, the Power Struggle event for the finals. Yeah, and see that's this is my one kind of gripe about a single blo- like single uh block tournament like this. So, you know, every single team fights every single team. Then you end up at say power struggle with a final bet- between hypothetically just two tag teams, maybe more depending on how they book it. If it's not a triple threat or a four-way, it's going to be a match that we've already seen. And let's say hypothetically it involves like the tag team champions who might end up defending at uh, Wrestle Kingdom, you might end up seeing the same match three times if, say, that team were to lose. So it's kind of precarious. I mean, I don't know if that's how they're going to book it, but that's my one drawback. When you have, like, a uh, a two-block format, you wind up with two guys in the finals or two teams in the finals that have never faced one another before, and I, I think I prefer that. Yeah, and, you know, it's one of those things, like, if you know that you, you can't get a uh, enough teams for two blocks and just to a single elimination tournament. I prefer the single elimination yeah, tournament. Yeah, I, I think this tournament would have been great, especially with the way these teams have been, been performing. I think a, a single elimination traditional um, tournament would have been fine. Yeah. So, But ultimately, um, I mean... We're going to talk about power struggle here, but do we? Do you have? Um, what are your final predictions? You know, sitting where we're sitting right now, looking at this, where, where, what do you think the finals are, are looking like? So, looking how everything is kind of at, I think we're going to end up with a finals of. I think we're going to get Rapungi three K. No, I, mean, I I kind of think Rapungi 3K and Bullet Club, but it's like you're going to see on the first, 
and then see it again at Power Struggle, and then see it again at Wrestle Kingdom. That's exactly what I was saying. That's <sighs> my. I'm yeah. gonna call it right now. This is what I think's happening. I think we're winding up with one of two things. I think it's either gonna be Rapongi 3K and Birds of Prey in the finals, or I think we might end up with a four way between Birds of Prey, Super Coaches, Rapongi 3K, and Bullet Club. Yeah, I, I could yeah, I could see them doing this f- the four way. But if I had to pick two, you know, I'm gonna go something a little bit out of left field. I'm You're going super coaches, I know it. You're going super coaches <laughs> against Bullet Club, aren't y- you? Yep. <laughs> that that would be another apt like that's something I could see happening. I just don't know I, I don't know where you go from there because then it I guess you could make Phantasmo and Ishimori win. Is that what you would probably predict at that point? Um no, I would I would go with the coaches winning. So they told a story that ELP stole the win from Rocky. You have the mega coaches win this thing, and you give them a junior tag title shot. And then you already have Suzuki Goon who've beaten um, Bullet Club in this tournament, so that that gives them a title shot. You could do a, a triple threat at Wrestle Kingdom, and then Osprey's doing singles, and then. You got to fit Eagles in somewhere. I like the idea of Super Coaches being in the finals. I just don't like it, the idea of it necessarily being against Bullet Club because if, if they beat Bullet Club, we're back at that conundrum of, you know, three matches in a row. And we always, you know, especially in short order, that's kind of not ideal. Mm-hmm. That's why I think, I don't know, it seemed like last year they liked the idea of doing the, the, the three-way. They might do another three or four-way. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they go that way, honestly. Yeah, that that could definitely happen, but uh, we we shall see. I mean, so right now you're picking uh, the super coaches to be your your finalists and winners of the tournament this year. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I think I'm I think I'm gonna stick with Rapongi 3K. I know originally I thought Birds of Prey were winning this, but I think Rapongi 3K is gonna walk away the winners. Do you think there's a possibility of let's say so Mega Coaches beat Teton and Volador, Birds of Prey beats Zugun, Rapongi 3 beats Bullet Club, and then having just a, a three-way tie between those teams. That's possible. And then you do a, a triple threat, almost a number one contendership kind of deal with those three. Yeah, and then that eliminates the champions from the finals, and you wind up with uh, – that's probably – you know what? Let's backtrack. I think that's our official prediction, don't you think? Yeah. All right, official, keeping a strong style <laughs> prediction for the Junior Tag League. You're going to see a triple threat match between Rapongi 3K, Birds of Prey, and Super Coaches. That's probably what they're going to do at Power Struggle. Yeah. Although that makes me wonder, what do we do with... Uh, I guess Bull Club will probably end up in some multi-man match. Right. Yeah. And they'll, they'll come out and... They'll like, come out and... Jump the winner. Yep, yep, yep. So... We are such good bookers. <laughs> <laughs> so that leads us to the rest of the Power Struggle card. So the, the full card as of this recording... It's going to drop tonight when we're... Right. <laughs> after, as, we're, after we're done. Yeah, as soon as I hit... You know, done on this record, it's they're gonna you know drop the the full card, or I don't know if they're waiting until after Friday because there's a break on Saturday. Oh God! So they might wait till Saturday to, to drop the full card. Who knows? But they have been teasing some matches. I don't know if it if they'll be at Power Struggle or if they're teasing it for Wrestle Kingdom. So they have been teasing Sonata and Zack Saber Jr. They've been kind of building that up in the multi man matches. They've also been teasing Suzuki and Shingo. Um, oh my god So that's another thing that Could happen Bro <sighs> I'm here for that all day 
<laughs> and like, oh my god, Shingo and Suzuki, hell yes, yeah. And something else, and this actually this could play into the Super Junior Tag League outcome, and we might end up changing our predictions again. But um, so, Evil suffered an ankle injury on this tour and was replaced by Bushi, and Bushi challenged Will Osprey. And Osprey accepted the challenge, but said after we win the Junior Tag League, then you'll get your title shot. So we could wind up with something where Birds of Prey don't make it to the finals, and we get Osprey versus Bushi on Sunday. I really don't need that Bushi versus Will Osprey match. <laughs> but but could that lead to Hiromu return? Let's not talk. Don't name that name on this <laughs> podcast any longer, sir. <laughs> I mean, you know, we've we've been you know. We've had all our, you know, perfect storylines mapped out for Hiromu's return. But I'm done. Th- but this this seems like the best opportunity. No, the best opportunity was last month at or this past month at what was it at King of Pro Wrestling? Yeah. The best time was at the end of the G one finals. The best time was all the other times this past year that we <laughs> thought this dude was coming out. Thought he was coming out in New York. We thought he was going to be there at the G1 Supercard back in April. Holy mm. crap! <laughs> yeah. So I'm done. <laughs> I, I'm not predicting crap when it comes to to, to that man any longer. But you're probably you're right. That that's a possibility. Possible, but again, who knows? Uh, we'll see what happens. But yeah, so they'll, they'll I know who knows. Gato. Gato yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so they've been teasing some other matches with the the uh, the undercard that could potentially fill out this card, or maybe they'll, they'll just do more of the same kind of multi mans. But Jer- let- Jericho gonna be on this card? Hey, Power Struggle. He he showed up. He well, he uh, faced Evil last year. Yeah, Power Struggle. That's why I said I was like, no Jericho on this show this year. Maybe maybe he shows up to set up his Wrestle Kingdom. Remember angle. last year when I was like, Jericho is not headlining Power Struggle, and then he did. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, so we'll see if we have any, uh, Jericho or Moxley, um, appearances at Power Struggle, but let's talk about the, 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 the matches that we do know. So we know we have an IWGP intercontinental title match with Hiroki Goto versus Jay White. Yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm excited for this match. I think the Goto Jay White matches have been very good all year. Um, I understand that there's a lot of people who are not excited for this matchup because of the fact that it's Goto and Jay White and because of the fact that most people really don't think Goto has much of a chance whatsoever. But ultimately, this has been a very cohesive storyline. This has been a very cohesive story, uh, you know, feud between these guys dating back to before the G1 climax. And, um, you know, Goto and Jay White have had two really really good matches this year and so i'm very excited for the for the third match between them and um i think it's gonna be great yeah i think it's gonna be a really good match they've done a great job uh building heat for this match during the undercards and the multi-man and both of these guys um kind of getting wins for their teams and kind of jockeying back and forth position um on today's show um jay white ended up getting the win and then him and kenta laid out goto nishi holding the belts up high um so Bull Club rolling with momentum into this weekend so far. Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to be a good matchup. And like I mentioned, um, Kenta, so he's going to be um, defending the Never title against Tomohiro Ishii. Yeah, so the feud between Ishii and Kenta, it dates back to the finals of the G1 Climax when Kenta turned um, on his, you know, Chaos uh, 
tag team mates. Well, he wasn't in chaos, but he was teaming with them that evening and he joined the bullet club. And then uh, at Royal Quest, we got the matchup between Ishii and Kenta where Kenta left with the title, but not all his brain cells. (laughs) (laughs) Got them brains scrambled. Yeah. And uh, that was actually a really fantastic match. I know some people were down on it, but, um, you know, I, I like this matchup between Ishii and Kenta. I've liked the interactions they've had on the undercards in the multi-man tag matches. And it's a it's a match that, if, hey, if you want to give me Ishii and Kenta, I'm, I'm all about it. Yeah, their interactions in the multi-man have been great. Just You want to talk about strong style. These guys have been slugging each other on these um, eight-man tags on this undercard. And Kenta has gone into, like, prime Dick Kenta mode. Uh, there was one point where in one of the matches he was, like, he took off Milano's shoe and he was beating Ishii with Milano's shoe. And we've seen the backstage comments where he's um, saying, you know, kind of calling like Ishii cute and, um, you know, it's kind of these weird, like, kind of comments and just being a total um, dick heel. And so I think this match, they've built, they've done a great job kind of building up heat for it. And as long as Kenta doesn't get rocked again, I think they could end up having a really great match, maybe even a strong style fight of the year candidate. You know, he um, he might have been acting facetiously when he called uh, Ishii cute and trying to get on her skin, but I don't know if you've noticed this all over the uh, <laughs> all over the New Japan Reddit. There's all these really funny, like cute uh, photos of Ishii that've been popping up. So maybe uh, maybe Kenta was onto something because there's all these really like hilarious, funny like the. Uh, Betty Boop kind of all these like out of character photos like these candids that they're finding on Ishii and Ishii's freaking awesome like <laughs> he can be doing like something that's like completely adorable and still be the scariest man alive and like y- you don't want the smoke with fucking Tomohiro Ishii. Yeah. So we didn't we didn't say a winner on Goto and Jay White, but we're we're both going Jay White. Yeah, Jay White is definitely going to be winning that. Obviously, there's huge implications for this match for the IC title and its role going into uh uh, Wrestle Kingdom this coming January, and this is one of the last major title defenses between now and then. So there's no way Jay White doesn't win. Uh, and then what about Ishii and Kenta? Um, I would like for Ishii to regain the belt, but I've got a feeling Kenta's winning here. Yeah, I also think Kenta's re- retaining, especially with the seeds they planted with the Shibata story. I feel like we're going to get another Shibata appearance at some point, and they're going to kind of continue that kind of story in the future. So I think Bull Club will go strong here, both Jay White and Kenta retaining. Of all the major singles matches, though, on this evening, this is the one that I'm most on the fence about, and I wouldn't be surprised if Ishii regained the title. Right, and, you know, they've mentioned... With the never openweight title, usually there's not many successful defenses of that title. Kenta is actually the first champion this year to have a successful defense, and that was against Yoshihashi. Um, so the never title always changes hands on shows. So I could, I could unless, e- unless you're defending against Yoshihashi, right? So I could easily see Ishii getting the belt back, and then them doing another match down the line. My main thing is, um, I'm expecting for Kenta to have some sort of big role come Wrestle Kingdom time, and it seems like he's more the priority for New Japan Pro Wrestling than Ishii is at this given time, and I think that's why you might keep the title on Kenta. Yeah. So then we move on to the special singles match. The match nobody asked for, but we're getting anyways. (laughs) Tetsuya Naito versus Taichi. 
Well, uh, this is another match in the long series of matches between uh, Tetsuya Naito and Taichi, and I'm pretty sure Naito's winning here. Yeah, you know, at the beginning of this tour, I was not really digging the build of these guys kind of staring at each other and laughing, kind of similar stuff we saw with Naito and Jay White. But then things really picked up this weekend with these live shows where Naito snapped. Um, he... he just got sick of Tai Chi's crap, got the ring, the the mic stand, hit the ref, hit Tai Chi, got a DQ, and just started beating the crap out of Tai Chi. And on today's show, we saw much of the same thing with Naito no longer playing around with Tai Chi, being very aggressive and taking the fight to Tai Chi. And Tai Chi kind of channeling his inner Suzuki and kind of laughing throughout the beating. Um, so we're, we're finally kind of getting a, a different twist to this feud and seeing a little bit more uh, development with these characters and... On commentary, they kind of mentioned that this is almost like a, a number one contenders match in a way for the IC title since Naito just lost it and Tai Chi beat Naito in the G1 and was expecting to get a title shot. Uh, so with all that heat kind of going, you know, we've got a few more live show this week. Um, I've really been enjoying the, what they've done towards the end here to kind of add some heat to this. And, yeah, I agree with you. I think Naito is going to end up winning here to get uh, a match with Jay White. My general feelings, while that was a good angle, um, this is just, it's a very long series of, you know, interactions between Taichi and Naito going back over the last two years. And it's not something that anyone's been overly excited for or asked for. We've given them the benefit of the doubt. While the matches are always very good, um, this I didn't need Naito and Taichi again. And so the match itself will probably deliver. It's going to be a good match, but... I'm just not excited for it. In the same way, I wasn't super excited for, like, say, the the, the top two matches of um, King of Pro Wrestling earlier in the month. Very similar feeling here. Like, I've seen this before. I know the outcome. It's probably going to be good. In the moment, I'll probably enjoy it more so. But as of now, regardless of what they do with the build, I'm looking forward. I'm already look, I've already got, like, Wrestle Kingdom goggles on. I'm looking forward to that. And obviously, I know the... the uh, World Tag League is right on the horizon as well, so that's interesting, you know, what what's going to happen there. But um, Naito and Taichi, I, I'm not excited for it, to be honest with you, and I, I hate to be that Debbie Downer. I wish I could sit here and say, like, I'm so s- stoked for this, and I think there are things they could have done with Naito that were much more interesting and much more prepor- preparatory for, you know, his potential run going towards Wrestle Kingdom, but to me this isn't it. And, and if, if Naito loses here, he he's done, right? Yeah, but he's not going to lose here. Right. I mean, if he loses here, yeah, he's done. But he's not going to lose here. That's the one thing. Like, with some of these matches, again, these are – we're at that time of the year where we know what's going to happen. Very predictable year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, time of the year. Um, so, yeah, so we're both going Naito there. Yep. And so then there's one more announced match. We have the Chaos team of Kazuchika Okada and Yoshihashi – Taking on Kota Ibushi and Hiroshi Tanahashi. I just hope that this doesn't mean that because we're getting Okada and Ibushi at Wrestle Kingdom, that this indicates we're getting Yoshihashi versus Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Tanahashi's like, hey man, I, w- I want a really easy match this year. <laughs> Something I can go out, hit all my spots, look really good. I want to win. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have just the thing for you. <laughs> Uh yeah, and it's yeah this match is like one of these things that's not like the other. Oh my gosh, yeah. Clearly Yoshihashi's he's gonna have a a, a Kamigoye 
coming through his head. Yeah, I mean Yoshihashi is definitely losing here. So uh, this, I this will be. I mean, it's exciting the prospect of seeing Okada and Tanahashi across from one another, as well as Ibushi and Okada because of the Wrestle Kingdom implications. But Yoshihashi, I mean, that's what he's there for. Someone's got. There's a job to do. Someone's got to do it. Yoshihashi is that man. Is there any chance at all for, let's say, Tanahashi to pin Okada to get his name thrown in the hat for this potential title tournament? I really doubt it. I don't see Okada as the IWGP champion taking visual pinfalls between now and Wrestle Kingdom, and even if it's multi-man matches. Is it possible stranger things have happened, but I don't think so. I don't think so either, but I, I, I thought it was just worth kind of throwing out there since there are all these people kind of claiming their shot at double titles and haven't really done much to kind of solidify it. How are we feeling about Power Struggle right now? Are we excited? Uh, I think it'll be a pretty good show. You know, between the Super Junior Tag Finals, the Goto White and Ishii Kenta, I think those will kind of be the three anchors of the show and then whatever else they add to it. But, I mean, overall, I mean... I got a feeling it's going to be a bunch of multi-man matches. It probably is. And that makes me feel like this is just... It's just a show. It's there. It's a show. Yeah. I, I feel because it's just a show, maybe there might be some angles. There will definitely be angles. There will definitely be angles. There will be talking points. But, overall, I'm not feeling overly excited for the show as of right now. Um... It almost feels like we're getting like, you know how WWE runs like an A, like an A team and a B team. This feels like we're getting like a a show headlined by the B team. Mm. Like not to dis- discredit like Jay White, and Naito, and Ishii and Kenta, but like it feels like they're running on that B tour, like the SmackDown tour, while the Raw guys, you know, we're we're doing like King of Pro Wrestling and stuff like that. Like this feels like the lower of the the two big shows. Yeah. So it's fine. It's fine for what it is, but I'm not super excited. The one thing I am excited about, the one thing I'm excited about is Power Struggle every year marks the end of our voting uh, eligibility and marks the end of our calendar year for our award season. Award season starts as soon as Power Struggle's over. Yep. After that show, we'll, you know, finalize our list of nominees. We'll get that um, Google Doc out for all you lovely listeners to vote and help us determine our Keeping a Strong Style year-end awards. Um, I've kind of started getting my nominees together. and we got to work on that this week. Yeah, I think it's going to be um, a great year. I think we've got some great uh, voting going on, so looking forward to that. And I think that's going to do it for Power Struggle. Yep. And so now we have a bunch of listener questions. My favorite part of the show. We'll hit the questions, hit the news, and um, wrap this thing up. So first question comes from Reddit user Just a Little Spider. Says, seeing as the matchmaking season is rolling around, if NJPW were to import an independent wrestler for a special single slash titles match, who and which NJPW roster member are they against? Well, I'm guessing we're we also need to pick who that independent wrestler is, right? Yeah. So yeah, pick the independent wrestler and pick who they're going against. Mm, man, well, with so many like top talents being signed up and not being independent anymore, I'm really like wondering like who's that special competitor that's out there 
that you you want to see show up in New Japan Pro Wrestling? Uh, for me, it would be Jacob Fatu. Um, here's a guy. He's he's the current MLW Heavyweight Champion. He wrestles a lot in AAW. He wrestles in All Pro Wrestling in uh, California. He's a guy that's been tearing it up. You know, he has that typical Samoan build, but he does a lot of athletic stuff. This guy is a bulldozer, and I would love to see him in there with Tomohiro Ishii, and it's a, a slobber-knocking strong-style match. Hmm. Well, I think Ishii is always the guy I want to see pretty much anybody who's not signed go up against. I'm trying to think of, like, a really truly spectacular like independent star that's out there um i guess somebody that comes to mind if i'm thinking about just talent that's out there that's unsigned that really can deliver i don't know david star mm. um and i'd i would like to see david star go up against um let's think who's who would be a really great Pro wrestler for him to go up against in New Japan Pro Wrestling, someone he hasn't gone up against before. Right. So obviously, like no like, Osprey, like not Zack Saber, not Osprey, right? Not Phantasmo, right? Yeah, no, none of the Rev Pro guys. Uh, hmm. Who's someone on the level that he can have a really great match with? I, I mean, I, I would say Ishii, right? But maybe, but maybe, you know what? I've got a match for you. This would probably be a really good match. David Starr and Shingo Takagi. Mm. I think that would be a really interesting matchup. That's a, that's a really good matchup. I could get behind that. Yeah. You know, there's one name that I'm surprised that neither of us said. Uh, Timothy Thatcher. I love Timothy Thatcher. Yeah. People hate Timothy Thatcher. People hate. Timothy. I don't get why. I, guys, I love guys him. Guy's awesome. He's fucking awesome. Yeah. Uh, they think he's boring. But uh, I don't know. His match at Bloodsport this last year with uh, Hideki Suzuki was, like, literally the perfect, like, homage to, uh, like, Billy Robinson versus Inoki. Like, it was literally, like, a, a condensed version of that match. I loved it. Yeah, I would love to see Timoth- Timothy Thatcher in uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would throw him in there with Okada. He had that match with Suzuki last year, and it was amazing. That's right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I'd love to see Timothy Thatcher in New Japan. Yeah. Uh, so next question comes from Rambo and Slam Pig. It says, the junior tag division seems to have a lot more viable teams than the heavyweight. I know the tag division isn't a priority for NJPW, but are there any heavyweights who might benefit from forming a stable tag team and competing in the division right now? Um. Well, if things don't go the way for as they might hope that it would go for Ishii and uh, Goto, why don't we finally get that Goto Ishii tag team that we've been wanting for all these years? Yeah, those two guys I think would would just kill it as a team. Yeah. Um, also, I mean, it's a pot. I don't know another team I'm thinking of. Like, it seems like they're elevating Sonata. Why not put Evil and Shingo together? Mm, let's let's not go singles. He already pretty much is. Yeah, yeah. I think Evil and Shingo would, would end up making a good. I mean, any of those LJ guys together, they work out so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's any other team. Those are two two tag teams that like pop off the top of my like head like right off the bat. I mean, there's a lot of guys, obviously, but I mean, um, 
I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think. I mean, because I mean, Bullet Club already has God. I don't do they really? They don't really need another tag team in there. I wish we would have prepared these awesome audio coverage here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like a lot of guys that we have on New Japan roster right now are better fitted for singles. Well, those are my two picks. I I, I held up my end of the bargain. I don't know about you, Jeremy. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just yeah. I'm, I can't think of any besides those two that would out of the heavyweight guys right now that would make. You know what? Maybe putting Tanahashi in a tag team. You know, he's kind of winding down a little bit. Maybe there's somebody Who do you tag him with Chase. <laughs> uh, are you trying to get Tanahashi to join the Bullet Club, or are you saying <laughs> Tanahashi's going to save Chase, bring Chase to the light? I mean, in all honesty, we talk a lot about like a new coat of paint for like Yoshihashi he he's a guy that might really benefit from being in a long-term tag team with somebody but who I don't know I don't right yeah not yeah not putting him with the ace um yeah I don't know I'll have to think about that one more is there anyone you can see someone like Mikey Nichols teaming up with maybe maybe you do Nichols and Yoshihashi god no that's a (laughs) terrible tag team (laughs) Oh, man. Let's just move on. <laughs> so uh, next question from Reddit user Viking Pain says, just for fun, look into your tea leaves and tell us which wrestler on the lower to mid card is going to have a Lance Archer-esque resurgence next year and which upper card is going to become a main eventer. My picks are TJP for resurgence and Shingo for main eventer. Well, those are both uh Pretty good guesses for guys that could get elevated. I mean, is there anyone that you think is on the cusp ready to be elevated next year? And uh, who do you think who do you think's going to to main event level? Yes, yeah, so I'm not sure where you want to consider Sonata. I mean, he's he's had a lot of main events and title matches this year, but I think that's someone who you would move at this point to main event level. If, if that's what you're predicting, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think he's a guy like I feel like even though he's had title matches and stuff, I still feel like he's he's considered an upper mid carder. And I think next year you would see like the full on main event, like he's main eventing a lot of shows. He's you know headlining his own tours, kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. Hmm. And then for uh, resurgence, and these are hard questions. <laughs> Well, if I was just going to guess somebody, I mean, I don't know any anything here, but I, uh, I actually don't think I'm very good at this. Uh, these are the kind of questions I'm not good at. Um, for resurgence, how about how about we go with um, I'll go Dave Finley. Yeah, that's a great name. And then uh, elevation to main event level, I'm gonna go. I mean, Sonata's not a bad pick. Shingo's not a bad pick. Um, man, I really don't know who uh, who who's on the who's on the cusp. Uh, I know I know you don't like him, but uh, Evil's another guy that could potentially. Nah, not main event level. That's too high. <laughs> I don't know, man. I suck at these kinds of questions. Dang it. Um, I I don't know. I was gonna say like Zach, but maybe probably not. Well, maybe, you know what? I mean, is Zach not already a main eventer, though? Uh, I feel like he's in the upper kind of upper mid-card. 
Yeah, he is. He's like upper mid. Shingo's a guy who's like never really had main events, and so that's why he's like a. I mean, I would go Shingo too. Like, I I feel obligated not to pick Shingo because because of the fact that that he already. You know what? I'll I'll, I'll tell you. Main eventer next year, Will Ospreay. Oh, there we go. That's a very that's there a great pick right that's there. A, that's a good pick. Yeah. So fuck yeah. <laughs> For my uh, <laughs> for my resurgence, I would um, go with Rocky Romero. Like he's kind of already having that's a good that's a good pick. Like a, a resurgence year, but I feel like next year could be even better. I agree, man. I want to change. Okay, I pick Rocky Romero too. <laughs> <laughs> this is just the, the Rocky Romero uh, appreciation episode. And who uh, you got for main eventer? Uh, Sonata. Sonata. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, we have another question here from uh, High Voltage Kataro. He says. The Bushi versus Osprey match could be a Hiromu's return setup? Question mark. I mean, it could be. I mean, like I, like I alluded to earlier, I feel like out of all scenarios, you you know, you have Osprey, he beats the Lij guy, and then out comes the real Lij Junior to challenge him for Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, I could. I mean, as I said before, I don't want to speculate too much on Hiromu because I've just been burned too many times. But um, sure, they could do that. So uh, next question comes from Reddit user AXXI0S. Given the huge development in Juice Robinson's character over the past year or so, do you think he has a heavyweight title potential if they continue down this path? I do. And he was actually someone I thought about when I was talking about, like, when I was thinking about guys to be elevated to main event. But, like, for whatever reason, they don't seem to be going that way just yet. Um it feels like it's taking too long. Yeah. Like, it feels like they were at a point where they, they they elevated him, and then every time they elevate him, they lower him. And it's starting to feel... Uh, I'm not saying they've ruined him. They haven't ruined him. But some of that goodwill, some of that that uh, underdogness, it's starting to kind of get beat out of me as a fan. Like, I'm starting to not be so much on that, that ride that I was once on with him. I mean, am I the only one feeling that way? Um, it's it's almost starting to feel a little bit uh, Toa Hanari-ish mm. It's like They have some really good matches Some good performances Kind of change some things up with their look But they still kind of get stuck in like a standstill position I think that's a little <laughs> Toa Hanare Right Obviously it's not as drastic as Toa Hanare But I mean I was thinking more like Naito mm. At least more recent uh, era Kind of stagnant yeah, he's like at one level. I mean, there's there's definitely been more a more dynamic feel to the story of um you know, of Juice Robinson and we've seen his ups and downs, but lately it's felt like more downs than ups. Yeah. And especially, you know, losing that match to Lance Archer, King of Pro Wrestling. Yep. Um yeah, definitely he's kind of you know, trending downwards right now. And uh, he's been off of this tour. At one point, I was, like, thinking they could even... Remember when I thought, I was like, man, what if they push him to uh, main, like, be in the finals of the G1? Mm. Like, it got to a point where I thought that that was even a realistic possibility. Yeah. And so, like, I'm waiting for that next big step. And it's like, when's that going to happen? Because we kind of need that. And, like, that one big moment he had was in the Cow Palace with him and Juice. Yes. And it's with uh, him and Jay White, yeah. Or I'm sorry, yeah, with him and Jay White, and it's never really gotten back to that level. I mean, we had a really big moment with him and Mox, but that feud just kind of fizzled out. Now we don't know if it's coming back, and so I just wonder, like, if they have aspirations to really go all the way with him as as a top guy. 
yeah, we'll have to kind of wait and see. You know, we, like we asked him at uh, in Dallas. I mean, he thinks that he's positioned well and kind of positioned as a top guy already. Yeah, like my question. Yeah, <laughs> remember he got mad. Yeah, he was going to give you a left hand of God. <laughs> uh, so next question comes from Reddit user Senor Sombrero Three K. He says, I haven't posted in a while, but just a reminder that your podcast is my weekly wrestling highlight. Given that everyone and their dog is talking in the backstage interviews or post-match promos about being a double champ, it's interesting there seems to have been no actual mention of a Wrestle Kingdom tournament by commentators beyond noting that such and such wrestler wants to be the first double champion. How do you guys think that Gato will actually start booking this buildup? My guess it'll start around the time of the World Tag League or to the finish of Power Struggle with some dramatic face-off. Well, I mean, technically speaking, I think they already have been building it up. You know, they've been building the uh, booking the build-up as we speak, and I think we're seeing the culmination of that with these two big matches with uh, Naito and Taichi as well as Jay White versus um, Goto and... From there, you're right. We could see a dramatic face-off, much similar to the dramatic face-off that we saw prior to uh, the New Japan Cup earlier this year with um, Jay White and all of you know his potential challengers. That's definitely a possibility. The other thing, too, um, I don't know if you see it built up during Tag League specifically, although it could be part of the ongoing stories of the matches, but I, I think they'll just do it in New Japan style and just have a press conference. They'll just tell us this special press conference. We won't know about it. It'll just, like, five hours before. <laughs> they're doing a special press conference, then everyone will be there in suits, or, it'll, or it might just be Kidani or whoever, Harold Mai, and they'll just be like, yep, we're doing this, and, and that, that will be that, and then we'll know. Yeah, I think what, what we're, what we're going to see is, so I think Jay White and Goto will end up being the main event of Power Struggle. Jay White wins. Well, they're definitely going to be the main event. Yeah, Naito, <laughs> Naito wins. Naito comes out and challenges Jay White, and Jay's of course, is going to do his, his normal act, like, no, you don't deserve it. And like you said, then there'll be a press conference. Wrestle Kingdom Night 1, Jay White versus Naito, Ibushi versus Okada. Both winners will face each other on Night 2. Yep, I think that's very likely. Then also from uh, Senor Sombrero 3K, he says, second question, are we to assume now that Connors and Fredericks are permanently on the main tours now? As in, have they graduated from the LA Dojo? I guess this will fill the Young Lion death gap with Narita and Umino going on excursion and allow more Young Lion tag matches with Suchi and Yinmora to continue the Young Lion Dojo feud. I wouldn't call this graduated from the LA Dojo. Um, I think they are... I, I wouldn't call it on an excursion per se. Um, but, I mean, they're definitely... You know, it's different because they're gaijin. Right. I think so. The, the LA Dojo is definitely st- it's still an extension of New Japan. Right. And essentially, the you know, the LA Dojo is to help get, like, gaijin talent ready to wrestle in Japan. I think what, what's causing the confusion is because we wonder, well, they're like, well, Narita's on excursion to the LA Dojo. So then it's like, well, if you think about it logically, guys that are from the LA Dojo that are here... Are they not themselves also on a, a excursion? You know, what I mean, that's yeah. that's where some of that confusion I think comes right. from. Right, but, but I think, but, but I think you're right. It is literally just an extension of New Japan. And I think part of that too is, so obviously Narita being in Japan, obviously he got a ton of matches. 
Whereas the LA dojo guys, they didn't have their promotion yet, so they weren't getting a ton of reps in the states. So they need to get that, you know, that live ring time. Right. So they need to be in on these Japan tours. I mean, when we see New Japan of America launch up, maybe they're not in Japan as often because they're working all these American shows. Yeah. And I mean, technically speaking, just so we're very clear, Narita isn't technically quote unquote graduated at all. He, right. He's on an excursion. He could hypothetically come back and they could, if it didn't go well, they didn't want to promote him or whatever the case is. I know it's rare, but they could literally be like, you're still a young lion. Or they could be like, you're done with New Japan. Like anything could happen. So these guys are still clearly young lions. They're not, um, you know, graduated from the dojo by any means. And in between tours, I'm sure they're back in L.A. working in the dojo. So it's not exactly the same. But you bring up good points when you say, you know, that they help fill that depth gap. And th their inclusion does allow Narita and Umino to be gone and to do their excursion. So that's absolutely true. Um, but, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that they're graduated at all. Yeah. And yeah, and I, I've been loving the kind of feud between the LA Dojo and New Japan Dojo. And uh, we saw some of that on this tour. We had uh, Suji and um, Fredericks on today's show. And once again, Fredericks tapped out Suji with that single leg crap. So the LA Dojo has been kind of dominating this feud. Mm. So uh, next question from Reddit user Zach Saber Time. It says, to stray away from the Junior Tag League, what are your favorite matches of all time? Mine is last year's G1 Finals. With Ibushi and Tanahashi. Yeah, the Ibushi Tanahashi match is one of the great that match from last year's G one finals, one of the greatest matches I've ever seen in my life. For sure. Um any year that it didn't happen in the same year as Omega and Okada would probably be match of the year, honestly. Yeah. Um favorite match of all time. God. <laughs> How do you I I think you you have a favorite match of all yeah, time? Yeah, I mean it's it's Omega Okada from Dominion, man. Like those guys. The, the two out of three falls? Yeah. Yeah. Those guys, just, they blew it away, man. Like, that was a masterpiece. And if you want to just count that whole series, because you, you need all the matches to kind of build to that one big match. And every time I watch Omega Okada, each time they raise the bar and I was blown away. And, um, you know, Kenny Omega has become, like, my favorite active wrestler right now. And just, yeah, those matches are just amazing. I think that's the best match I've seen in my life. I don't know if I would call it my favorite match of all time, but it's definitely, like, the best match I've ever seen, you know? Yeah. That'd be, like, the difference between me talking about my favorite movie and the yeah. best movie. Right, yeah. Um, my favorite match of all time. Oh, God, I don't know. I don't know what my favorite match of all time is. Like, I'm really trying to think, like... And uh, before Omega Okada, for me, for a long time, one of my favorite matches was the Shawn Michaels Bret Hart Iron Man. Uh, I fucking hate that match. <laughs> I know a, a lot of people hate that match, but I you know growing up, I was always a Shawn Michaels mark, and I was so happy when he super kicked Bret and won that belt. And uh, you know, I was a big Shawn guy, so I always loved that match. I'm really, I'm really see. Okay, here's the thing. I have a really tough time talking about favorite overall of anything. Like, I don't know if I have that. In right. Me. Like I'm all about categories. So if you're like, what's your favorite eighties match? What's your favorite Joshi match? What's your favorite new Japan? Like I can do that. What's your favorite match from this era or this style of match? What's your favorite like 
Iron Man match, which fair, I, I could do that, but like just all time ever. Oh man, like I don't know. I could tell you my favorite shoe style match, but like I don't know about my all time favorite uh, ever. Oh, man, this is it's too open ended, man. <laughs> yeah, and another one that just popped in my head was um, AJ versus Daniels versus Joe. That, that, that triple threat that from um, what's your review was uh, no surrender. It's unbreakable. Unbreakable. Yeah, man. Well, that's my that's my favorite TNA match of all time, easily. Yeah, but like. Favorite match of all time? I don't know. <laughs> I feel like what's I'm I'm trying to think if there's a match that I've seen more than any other match. Like I don't okay, just tonight, I don't know if it's you could ask me a week from now, it's probably gonna be a different answer. But right now, I think my favorite match of all time right now is probably like Magnum TA versus Tully Blanchard, the the I quit match in the steel cage from Starcade eighty five. Nice. It's, yeah. So uh, next question comes from your quiz time invitational opponent, Sir Sam. And first he says, young boy, are you ready? Are you ready? You think you could tell me what to do, (laughs) Sir Sam? (laughs) Um, Did you see this guy? Yeah, man, this guy came out. You see what this guy did? Came out, cut a promo on you. Does he not know that I don't have social media? <laughs> I'm not on Twitter. How did he expect me? <sighs> My God. So those of you who don't know, this this coming weekend, I will be on the Ricky and Clive Quiz Time Invitational semifinal tournament matchup between me and Sir Sam. You guys know Sir Sam. He's been on the show before. Good friend of the show. And um, I think he messed up here. Or no, we've been on Imp's show, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, we so haven't been on Sam's show. No, 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 because because Sam's never invited us. <laughs> yeah, Sam's never invited us. Yeah, known Sam for a long time, and he's never invited us on the show. And uh, yeah, he's been talking junk for a while now. And I was I wasn't gonna say anything. I was just I, I was doing my own thing, living my own life, trying trying to just be happy and live life. And this man decided to go online earlier today, and he cut a promo. And not only did he, like, cut a promo, but, like, it was, like, professional-level promo. There was music. It was daunting. I was – it was early in the morning, and I got to tell you, Jeremy, I was scared. Mm. I was scared when I read this. This guy had fire in his eyes. He had ill intent, and I feel personally attacked. Mm. This is no longer just – this is no longer just a fun game. Like, this is he, – he, he got personal. He started talking about America. You don't talk about America, <laughs> Sir Sam, Okay. You don't talk about America, not on my watch. <laughs> yeah, you know, Josh is the guy that starts the USA chance. I've show. started so many USA chants, and it's great. <laughs> <laughs> I start them, and then I stop, and everyone else just keeps going. <laughs> but, yeah, man, this guy cut a promo on me, and um, let me just say this. I got something for you. It might not be out by the time you're listening to this. It might not have dropped yet because I've got my uh, my my video production team working on something. But there will be a response, Sam. This is not your response. And uh, all I gotta say is I ended that man. Mm. He has no clue. Yeah. So uh, yeah, stay tuned for that. There's gonna be definitely fire a, a response. The best dropping. promos of the year. Yes. Cody. Cody when he cut that promo on Dustin. David Starr when he cut that promo on Jay Lethal and ROH. Young boy, when he cut that promo, <laughs> <Sir> Sam. 
Dude, uh, new rivalry of the year, <laughs> young boy and Sir Sam. Uh, I'm looking on to bigger and better things. Uh, I, I, I've got to defeat uh, him, and then I've got to defeat Rance. And once, once I've defeated them, you know, sky's the limit for the young boy. I'm going to be going on all the wrestling quiz time invitational podcasts that are out there. I mean, I'm, I'm taking my title. I'm going to defend it worldwide. I'm going to be a traveling champion. I'm, I'm just call me Nick Aldis. <laughs> oh man. No, but I'm actually, I, I'm looking, I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. And actually, uh, if you guys haven't seen it, we shared Sir Sam's uh, shoot promo on me earlier today. I think it's what, it's on all of our like Twitters, right? Yeah. Yeah. So check it out. It's pretty funny actually. And uh, be sure to check us out on uh, the Ricky and Clive Quiz Time Invitational. It's going to be here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network coming to you shortly. But now, onto his question. He says, on, on a more serious note, do you think... Nothing's more serious. <laughs> this is life and death. <laughs> Two men enter, one man leaves. Welcome <laughs> to the Thunderdome, baby. Uh, he says, do you think the G1, being later in the year in 2020, will give the year a better flow? Both years I've been watching New Japan, September, October, November, December, have felt a little anticlimactic and like we're just waiting for Wrestle Kingdom. Will moving G1 change that? Very possibly. Yeah, I think we, we mentioned that once um, we got the news that they were going to be moving G1 later in the fall because of the Olympics, that it could roll things perfectly right into Wrestle Kingdom. There'll be a less of a gap um, between the end of the G1 and Wrestle Kingdom, and there won't be a lot of, you know, waiting and, you know, predictable matches. They're going to have to set some angles up pretty quickly with the G1 ending, you know, in possibly October. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's a possibility that it will give the year a, a better flow. Uh, it may, I mean, we don't know. We'll have to see, but I've got trust in Gato as a booker, and I am I think that at least for the time being, um, we'll see how it plays out. If it ends up being something that's better, you know, that summertime tradition might turn into a fall-time tradition. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, next question from Rich Latta. He says, are you excited about ACH returning for NJPW USA? LOL. Thanks, Rich. <laughs> do, are, do you, are we going to spend time talking about this controversy or, or do we want to kick this off to all the other podcasts on our network that we know will inevitably be talking at length about this uh very controversial topic with uh, yeah, I mean, One Nation Radio dropped yesterday. They kind of um, shared their opinion and talked about it. I really don't feel like going, you know. It's not that we're we're not ones to shy away from um, controversy. We've got a lot to talk about, but this is all it's NXT stuff. It's yeah, it's independent stuff. I mean, it's and it's something that deserves a lot of in depth talk. And I mean, basically, just go online. See what's going on with ACH. I'll tell you the truth, though. Here's the one thing I will say. I don't want to discuss the whole entire controversy, but if people think this guy's getting fired, that's not happening. So, no, I'm not excited for ACH to return to NJP, NJPW USA because he's never getting out of that contract, <laughs> period. Yeah, they're going to freeze that, man. They're going to bury him first, and then they're going to freeze him. Yeah, but eventually... If he ever, you know, whenever he does get out of the contract, I would love. I would love to have, to have ACH back. Yeah. So, uh, next question comes from Muzza. He says, "Why should Sir Sam fear the young boy?" Because I've forgotten more about wrestling than he could possibly study in the next week. Mm. Nice. 
then his second question, he says, with Bushi calling out Osprey for Power Struggle, could Power Struggle be where we see Hiromu returning? Kind of already covered that already, but yes, I think that we could see a Hiromu return. Uh, next question comes from Greg, a.k.a. Maserati. He says, how is everyone at KISS? Is everything fine? Why does Maserati think something's wrong? I don't know. He's been doing a lot of speculating in the group chat lately. and You know, it is, it's because I'm not on there very often, and so they probably think that there's like a rift or some sort of... I'm busy, guys. I'm busy. I don't, I don't know what... Listen, <laughs> how many people are in our group chat? Uh, like 12? Like 12, yeah. It's like 12... All 12 of y'all grown, grown-ass men... What the fuck you guys be doing all day? Ain't <laughs> <laughs> you guys got goals? Ain't you guys got life aspirations? Aren't y'all busy? I, I don't I don't know. You guys live a life of luxury because I am busy. <laughs> like for real busy all the time. My God. Like I, I look at this thing and I'll look at it and be like 80 comments. I'm like, what? <laughs> and it'll be like 11 a.m. I'm like, wh- how? What are y'all doing? <laughs> So, yeah, that's I, I'm busy, man. I don't have a lot of time to be on. I, I barely have enough time to cover this show and watch these shows. But other than that, everything's fine. Yeah, everything's good. Everything's fine. 100 episodes. Kisses. Is, is the show breaking up? I, not, in my, not that I know about. I feel, I feel like I feel like this is what Marty and Janetti and uh, <laughs> Shawn Michaels sound like a few weeks before they broke up. <laughs> everything's good, yeah. The rockers have never been better. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but yeah, everything at Kiss is fine. Everything's fine. So, uh, and then our last or well, last question on this section comes from Ricky from Ricky and Clive Show. He says, "With the official announcement of New Japan of America, one of the goals they stated was run events with the assistance of other promotions. Do you think this will lead to a working relationship with AEW?" No, I think that this is literally the reason that they will not be working with AEW because they are direct. Competition, yeah. I think when they say with help of other promotions, I think we're gonna see them kind of tap into the indie relationships. We've kind of seen them de- develop that uh, the Defy relationship this year, so I think Defy will help them out. Uh, you know, they're gonna be in California a lot. There's um, all pro wrestling out there, APW, I think is a promotion they could kind of reach out to. Now, I could see them maybe working with like a game changer. Oh. Game Changer is like one of the hottest and, you know, biggest, most successful independents out there. And I wouldn't be surprised if that that would be a really good partnership for them. AAW is another one that's yeah. out there. Um, you know, Northeast Wrestling exists. They, yeah, that's any, a big one. Yeah. I mean, I could see them, you know, teaming up with any of those, any unaffiliated independent company that's out there. I could totally see that happening. But Tampa Bay Pro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But uh, not AEW, yeah. unfortunately. All right, so now we're going to jump into the news real quick. Um, so first thing we got to talk about, there has been uh, rumors of a potential stardom match at Wrestle Kingdom. And we do have a qu- couple questions about it. First from Reddit user JQNCG. What do you think about the rumors that stardom will have a match at Wrestle Kingdom? And what kind of match would you prefer Mm, and I think the um, the second question is pretty similar to yeah. from uh, Amen on Twitter. This is about the rumors they're going to be a star a stardom match in Wrestle Kingdom. What match would you like to see? Well, uh, Jeremy, you're probably more equipped to say specifically what match you'd like to see. 
And maybe um, maybe I throw out a scenario and you can kind of tell me the competitors because I, I, I don't know enough of the girls there or, or what I'd like to see. But this is what I'd like. I think the thing that makes the most sense is to do a multi-woman match. It should be a six-woman tag with some of the best workers that they have who can go out there and in 12 to let's say 10 to like 14 minutes put out a banger. And I'm not talking about like a, a like a, a nice little cute Joshi match. I'm talking about banger banger. Uh, because I don't think that I, I think putting out two of their top women who maybe the, the crowd's not familiar with and putting them in a title match, you know, implications, that sort of thing. Maybe I don't think that this is the right show for that. To me, you do what many other Joshi promotions have done in the past when they want to highlight their talent in a big uh, dome show where people don't know them. You, you give uh, a few of the girls the opportunity and you put them out there and you have them uh, do a banger, banger of a match. If Jeremy, for instance, and you can name whatever match you want to name, but for, for the purpose of my scenario, if you're going to put six women out there that can team up and just have an incredible six-woman tag, what, what, what tandem would you do? Well, just like um, New Japan stardom, they're they're um, you know split up into factions. So first of all, I do agree with you. They should do a, a multi woman match uh, to kind of highlight multiple women. So you're and not you're not high on the idea of a title match here. No, I think you you kind of want to get as ma- as many of them on the card as possible to kind of highlight multiple women and give a sample of kind of what stardom has to offer. Uh, My thinking, it ha- whatever matchup they they present. Needs to be of the highest caliber. Yeah. It, it can't be like, remember that six woman tag they did at the ROH or at the G one Supercard. G one Supercard. It has to be much higher than that. Like it has to be something where it's like these six women. There's no way they don't deliver. You know what I mean? Right. And and so I think the the way to go would be obviously kind of do some kind of like faction warfare match, and um, you know you'd probably want to do the the top. Babyface faction, which right now would be stars, and um, so you know, I'd probably from stars put together like Arisa Hoshiki, uh, Mayu Iwatani, and let's see who would be the last person from stars, and maybe a uh, Tam Nakano. I'd probably put those three in. Are you putting them up against King, Queen's Quest? That's a hard thing. I'm like, do you put them up against Queen's Quest or do you put them against Odiotai? Because I feel like Kagetsu would be a, a great person to kind of have on there. And then also, I mean, there's also Tokyo Cyber Squad. I mean, my girl Hannah Kimura um, has been really popular. Mm, and they got Jungle... I like Hannah Kimura. Yeah. And they got uh, Jungle Kiona, who's also been killing it this year, too. Um, so that's a hard... I mean, it, in Queen's Quest, you got B Priestley. You got who's the, got the bigger stars? Queen's Quest? Um... Yeah, I think overall Queen's Quest because I think that the biggest star out of of Odiotai is um, Kagetsu, um, and the rest of that faction. I mean, nobody really kind of stands out to me. So yeah, I think I would go with Queen's Quest, and I would do B Priestley, uh, Momo Watanabe, and let's see, Momo's and, and Hazuki. That's 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 the matchup. Yeah. That's the matchup right there. That's yeah. So if we were gonna do it, that's what I'd like to see. Now, do you think this is actually gonna happen? 
there's actually gonna, do you think there's actually going to be a start on this match? I can't confirm anything about the the uh, rumor. We haven't heard anything. I, I I've seen some press about, or you know, I've seen some people speculating online and talking about a rumor, but uh, I don't know if it's happening. But where there's smoke, there's fire. And the other thing too is like we talked about extensively last week. It's very logical that this would be happening, even without a quote unquote rumor. I was kind of assuming this was going to happen regardless. Yeah. That's my thinking. So, yeah. So, I think potential is high. And, well, you know, we'll stay tuned to the announcements in the coming weeks. So, uh, next item here. So, we have some talent confirmed for Lions Break Project 2 happening at the Charo Expo USA 2019. We have um, the LA Dojo Young Lions, Rusuke Taguchi, Rocky Romero, Ellis Parado, Yoshinobu Kanamaru, and Taiji Ishimori confirmed for that show. And this will be the first U.S. appearance for Ellis Parado and Yoshinobu Kanamaru. Uh, NJPW1972.com has details on inbound tickets for New Year's Dash. If you're planning on going to that show, check out uh, NJPW1972.com to get all the ticket prices and infos on those tickets. Um, this past Friday, October 25th, at the Tradition 2019 Raging Outlaw Tour in Corkin Hall. We had a main event marking Hiro Saito's incredible 40-year career, um, kind of a preview for Jushin Thunder Liger's upcoming retirement match on January 4th. Liger teamed with his Wrestle Kingdom 14 partners, Tatsumi Fujinami and uh, Shiro Kushinaka, to take on the team of Hiro Saito, Roshi Tanzan, and Keiji Muto with Chono as the special guest referee on njpw1972.com we've got the second part of the interview with Black Mask Shade Cast with El Desperado and Yoshinobu Kanamaru kind of speaking out we also have a update with Toa Hanare with his Warriors Road column so it's the Warriors Road number 4 uh, Tiger Hattori is going to be making his final Mexican appearance in November for CMLL, so he will be refereeing his last CMLL event on November 15th, all this part of the Tiger Hattori Retirement Tour. Like we mentioned um, earlier on in the show, Evil has suffered from a left ankle injury, and he is off of the rest of the Power Struggle Tour, and he was replaced by Bushi. And now it's time for the recommended match of the week. And then it's my turn to pick the match. And Jeremy has a banger for us. Yes, and as we're getting closer to Power Struggle and we've had a lot of junior action, I found this gem right here from Power Struggle 2012 for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title. It was the current champion at the time, low-key, Defending against Prince Devitt. And this was an awesome match. And um, just from the opening bell, you know, no lockups. These guys going straight at each other. And they just had a really well match. You know, I Loki's a guy that I've always loved um, from ROH and Impact. And, you know, now in MLW, he's always been a great wrestler and always had some of the hardest strikes and just um, great transitions into move. And uh, Prince Devitt, also another very talented guy and also thought about thought about this match because um you know with the, the current uh Finn Balor heel turn and saying the prince is back thought it'd be good to look back at a Prince Devitt match and so check out this uh IWGP junior title match with Loki and Prince Devitt from Power Struggle 2012. 
Where were you on this match? Uh, I was like four and a quarter. Match is awesome. Yeah, this is a... I really dug the low-key Prince Devitt series from that year. Yeah, they had a lot of great matches I've been learning about, um, this kind of rivalry they had. Um, I mean, low-key's a guy, I know he's kind of killing it in MLW, but he's a guy that I would love to kind of see a part of New Japan of America and do some kind of tours next year with Japan. I think he burned that bridge. He probably did. <laughs> he, he's, he's burned a lot of bridges. And uh, and Court Bauer seems to be the only guy that can uh, make him behave right now. So, But, man, if if, if there was a chance, I, I would love seeing him um, back in the New Japan ring. Yeah. Well, that's going to wrap things up for this week. Before uh, we go, thank you, guys. 100 episodes. It's because of you. Yes, thank you so much for... Your support, downloading, sharing, and just yeah, listening to us every single Tuesday. Do 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 us a favor. If you're listening, if, if you made it this far, leave us a rating or review. But actually, do it. Leave us a, leave us a nice little review. Write us something. Reach out to us. We appreciate it because when you guys reach out to us, it let it lets us know that you're enjoying what we do and that we make a difference. And uh, you don't know how much we appreciate it. Yeah. So thank you so much, guys. Uh, next week, like I mentioned earlier, we're going to be joined by Chris Samsa from VoicesOfWrestling.com and SportsOfWrestling.com to review Power Struggle. So make sure you connect with us on social media. On Twitter, the show is at KI Strongstyle. You can follow me at Jeremy L. Donovan. You can also follow us at Social Suplex. On Facebook, we are Facebook.com slash Social Suplex. You can also find us in the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group, Facebook.com slash group slash Wrestling Squared Circle. On Reddit, I'm the Pro Black Guy. Josh is keeping it strong style. You can email me, Jeremy, at Social Suplex.com. Make sure you check out all the other shows on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. On Sundays, we have One Nation Radio, hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd. On Wednesdays, we have the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show from Scotland. Every other Wednesday, we have our podcast dedicated to independent wrestling, Grown Men Watch This Shit, hosted by Jeremy Tate and Chris Bryant. On Fridays, we have Get In The Ring with Danny and Beast Mike. And on Saturdays, we have All Things Elite with Floyd Johnson Jr., Amy O., and Tiffany. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. And we will catch you next week on Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Sam, for you. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.